Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Come to Sam Ash for hundreds of exclusive holiday deals on music and sound gear from the most iconic brands. Save big on professional and starter guitars, drums, digital pianos, horns, violins, DJ, and electronic production equipment. Supercharge your home studio with deals on podcasting, streaming, and AV equipment like speakers, microphones, headphones, and acoustic treatment. Plus, with 36 months no interest financing on thousands of items, you can get the gear of your dreams right now. From our incredible selection and service to our lowest price guarantee for over 95 years, real musicians know you only go to Sam Ash. Bruce Arians here with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. During these difficult times, it's important that we all show we care about our community's health. You could spread COVID-19 without knowing it. Wear a mask, wash your hands, keep your distance from each other, stay strong, and go Bucks. Realizing my potential has been what my career has been all about. Things that I've dreamed about have actually come true. And the Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. Unbelievable. Things have happened in my life as I kind of hoped they would happen. It's been, I mean, just a complete evolution. You know, how I just kept kind of fighting and clawing to continue to to power forward. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you keep trying to make progress. So when I look at over 20 years, I look, look how far I've come. But there's not one step that I took where I realized, look how far I've come. But those series of steps that I put together um, I go, wow, that's, man, that's quite a journey.
the Sports Web, a sports talk show for the hardcore fans. Bring your passion, bring your excitement, just don't bring any nonsense. Hey guys, what's going on? Happy Wednesday. It's your pro football edition of the Sports Web. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. And as we always start off the Sports Web, bring your passion, bring your excitement, just don't bring any nonsense. On tonight's show, we will have Mr. Chris Landry. Uh, former scout for the Houston Oilers, Tennessee Titans, has worked with Bill Belichick with the Cleveland Browns, and of course, a part of the Landry Football Network here in just a couple moments, maybe just running a little bit behind, but that's okay. We'll read your comments, and then we will have Brent Allen of the Pewtercast at 10 o'clock talking about pro football and talking about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looks like there is some breaking news just coming down here, uh, but... Tell you right now, let's go out to the phone lines. We'll just start it off here. Welcome to the Evolution of Sports Talk Television Pro Football Edition. What's up? What's going on, buddy? How you doing? What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Eric in Florida. All right, buddy. What's yeah, on your mind? Man, did you, did you watch the boat game last night? Uh, did I watch the what game last night? Did I watch the... Uh, the... the Lightning? I did watch the Lightning game last night. Good, great win. Unbelievable, right? I listened to almost the whole thing until, Eric, I had to produce the Al Keck show, which you know didn't have to, but uh, we have to produce shows here on Bucks Report. So it was a great win. What did you think about it? It was a great win. Yeah? Five overtimes. I didn't expect five overtimes. Right. No, well, that's one of the longest games, if not the longest game in Tampa Bay Lightning history, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. But the Rays is killing Boston right now, 8 to nothing, and top of the fifth. Yeah, they did that last night, too. So the Rays have definitely been on a good run uh, after losing to Baltimore. They've been very uh, disappointed. Red Sox, so that's a good that's a good thing. So, so and let me ask you, buddy, are you excited about having the Tampa Bay Buccaneers stream uh, their training camp on August seventeenth? Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I like it. We can watch it from home. Yeah, there you go. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. But did you hear about no fans this year for nobody in the stadium? Man, I thought they should heard it. Well, yeah, that was the other big story. Uh, according to various reports, uh, New Orleans, uh, there will not be any fans in the Superdome for that September 13th game or throughout the season. Uh, so that's a big-time advantage uh, for the Bucks. you would absolutely think, and that's going to be the main competition is the, uh, the New Orleans Saints. So we'll see how that definitely works out, but... Right now, it looks like the Bucks may have fans. No official announcement on that yet. The Ravens, 7,500. So we'll see how this uh, transpires. But mo more than likely, there's going to be a lot of teams, Eric, that are not going to have a lot of fans, my friend. I don't know. I'll tell you right now, I'm getting Chris Landry on right now. I'm about to ask him the same question because that has been the big story uh, of the weekend. You know, what is going to be – uh, the result of that, you know, if there is a result, if there is no college football on Saturdays, would you be okay with having games on Saturday if it were NFL? Would you be okay with that? I'll be happy. Okay. Okay. All right. Good stuff. 
Absolutely good stuff. Well, I mean, that's that's it. That, that's the good thing about it, right? I mean, you would think that the Bucks would play a lot of those on Saturday nights, so or Saturdays. Sunday, uh, Monday, yeah. Saturday, yeah. Saturday or Friday. Could they play on Friday too? Well, I don't know about Friday, but I'll tell you right now. We'll get the latest from uh, Chris Landry. We'll we'll pick his brain on this. We're gonna get him on right now. So, Eric, thanks a lot for the call. Definitely okay. call back. The evolution, all right? All right, good stuff there. So uh, we're opening up the phone lines. We're going to have our former scout here, Mr. Chris Landry of the Landry Football Network, 727-255-0391. It's 727-255-0391. Let's go out to him. Chris Landry, welcome to the evolution of Sports Talk Television. Uh, We got some breaking news. Uh, According to various reports, it looks like the Dallas Cowboys have signed an Everson Griffith. Uh, what what is the impact of that move? Uh, eight sacks last year, but that definitely improves the Dallas Cowboys pass rush, right? Well, it definitely does. He's still got some juice as a pass rusher. I think he's uh, a guy that uh, a number of teams have still been making a run at, and um, uh, you know, so it's really good get for them. It's somebody that uh, the one thing about them they've they've lacked a little bit of depth in that department. So uh, this is a good signing for him. Um, uh, a guy that's been a really consistent pass rusher for quite some time in this league. Yeah, no, absolutely, Chris. And I tell you right now, the big news also has been, uh, you know, basically uh, if you're going to have a college football season this year and what would the impact be on the NFL, are you surprised that the Big Ten uh, canceled all fall sports and that other leagues are trying to do this? Well, I, I am, but considering Peter that it's been uh, a few days now, almost to last weekend, that we've been getting the sense that that's where the Big Ten was headed, and the, the Pac-12 was going to follow the Big Ten. Um, I, I guess I'm not all that surprised, so we could see it coming, right? But I, I, I still am a little bit perplexed to, to why they uh, decided at that point and. It's a little bit, e- a little bit of an ego, a little bit of grandstanding, I think. But uh, I, I think extending that decision a little bit longer made the most sense. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about the college season. I have been. Um, I know to this point, the ACC, the Big Twelve, and the SEC are still committed to playing. But let's see what happens a week from now. Uh, if things, um, I think, I think it's still going to be difficult, uh, to pull it off, but let's hope that it, it can happen at least, um, from that standpoint, I think it can be done, but I think it's, I think it's a little bit more complex. Things are going pretty, pretty well to this point, knock on wood with the NFL and the testing. Um, but you know, uh, and I think to some degree in college, but there's, there's a lot of layers of bureaucracy involved in, in college athletics, as you know, um, that that's quite a bit different in the NFL. So I, I still think there's a better chance, obviously, of the NFL pulling it off uh, than the remaining three big uh, uh, Power 5 programs. Yeah, I mean, you look at the ACC, you look at the a- uh, SEC. One week they're revealing a, a schedule, you know, playing 10 uh, non-conference or games and then one non-conference game and then – the next week, you know, you have conferences that are canceling, so it's really tough to figure out. But uh, if you were a betting man, because I know there's betting shows on the Landry Football Network, 
uh, percentage that uh, the SEC and ACC plays this year and everybody else doesn't. And then to the second question, do you feel like, let's say a Nebraska, uh, which the, um, the I believe the uh, commissioner came out today and said, basically, we've canceled the league. Nebraska is a part of this conference. So they're not they're not able to play any football. Do you think that there will be teams that will challenge uh, their conferences by trying to get out and go to another conference like an SEC or an ACC so they can play college football because they really want to? No, I don't. They're not going to be able to do that. The bylaws are going to prevent that. And uh, I'm not saying that. Uh, I think what you're seeing is a lot of frustration being uh, expressed there. I can tell you that the athletic directors and the coaches inside the Big Ten are hopping mad. They're very frustrated with the decisions. Uh, and it really goes above the presidents in the Big Ten and really more um, state by state. And we've got, you know, the state of Ohio, the state of Michigan, the state of Minnesota in particular. Uh, this goes to the governor, the level of the governor, because state universities, the president of those universities answer to a board of supervisor or a board of regents, uh, which are basically dictated by the by the state government. Uh, that's where these decisions are made. But there's a lot of frustrated coaches, administrators. Uh, uh, but I, you know, being able to pick up and say, we're going to go play. You're not going to be able to do that. I mean, it's it's, it's a, a lot of frustrated conversations and but no the whole thing well they're gonna pick up you can't just pick up and leave and I know people say well wait a minute we've seen teams leave conferences um they've really made those contracts more ironclad now before so it's not not like it used to be and we're all with Chris Landry former scout for the Houston Oilers Tennessee Titans has worked with the big guy Mr. Bill Belichick uh, with the Cleveland Browns and, of course, now part of the Landry Football Network. It's the Sports Web Pro Football Edition. I'm your host, Peter Blake, uh, giving you something to think about. Open phone line if you have a question for Mr. Landry, 727-255-0391. It's 727-255-0391. Is it the planning of the NCAA? I mean, they had months to plan this out. Why is the NFL excelling with this and in, in, in not college football? Well, because college football is completely disorganized. The NCAA has no involvement in this. They have no jurisdiction, and that is the problem. So two things that makes the the NFL much more organized. One, it's got 32 teams, but they're all governed by the league. So they're all trying to do what's best for one another, and they certainly have their own interests, but there's a league protocol. Well, in college football, it's every individual conference for themselves. You've got a lot of egos, a lot of different agendas, which is what I have been saying for some time. It's the bigger problem that there should be a, in essence, a college football commissioner where we take at least of the power five to where you can have someone that looks for the greater interest of the entire sport as a whole. But uh, we don't have that. We've not had that. And that's been an issue when it's come to other problems or other things and issues that have come about in college football. Nothing to this degree, of course. And because of it, uh, the spotlight is just tremendous on this. And it's uh, created a lot of problem. Um, 
uh, as we're seeing right now. But the lack of a leadership, we we should not have a Big Ten and a Pac-12 saying that they're not playing mm-hmm. and other conferences still trying to decide. There should be some sense of uniformity, but we don't. And I think uh, getting those conference uh, uh, folks to usurp their power to someone else, good luck with that. A lot of egos, a lot of layers of bureaucracy, as I mentioned, involved with this. Absolutely. Let's go out to the phone lines because we got questions for you here, Mr. Chris Landry. Matt Colson out of Oklahoma City. Welcome to the Evolution of Sports Talk Television. What's on your mind? Man, I'm, I'm, it's kind of what we were talking about last night. You guys are touching again today. The thing, well, I'm going to go pro football first. I got the information that NOLA, uh, New Orleans is not going to have any, any uh, Superdome uh, crowd. Correct. For the home opener. Right. And then Tampa is going to have 25% occupancy when they come out here. How come the NFL, with its 32 teams, it doesn't have 500 little universities and, and, and stuff to deal with. Sure. Just 32 teams. Why can't they come up with a uniform uh, COVID policy that's going to dictate so you don't know what's going on every week? I mean, how's it going to look on TV when you see the Superdome dead empty? <laughs> well, the, the the same thing that looks like right now when you're looking at baseball with the cutout cardboards. And the answer to your question is real simple: is it's state agencies. The the, the you know, every situations of every state's affected differently. So the NFL can't say uh, to a point they can say this is what we can do, but you can't dictate and say you're everyone's going to have twenty percent because you know. Some state says no, like in Louisiana, you're not having any. Uh, in California, there won't be any. I mean, you know, so it's th- there's there's a level of, um, you know, above the NFL that dictates whether you can do certain things from a state standpoint, as I'm sure you can understand. So, you know, state of Florida is going to be different than the state of Texas, which is different than the state of California. Uh, we know there are going to be no fans in New York and probably not in New Jersey. So you can't the NFL can't override the state. It just it's well, not it's law. I understand that, but then if that's the case, if you know that New York and you know that California, you know that Florida has already said we're not going to let you do XYZ, why doesn't the NFL with all of its policies on everything from tennis shoes to headbands have some kind of blanket this is going to cover all 50 states. Sorry if you don't like it, but we're going to do it. Today. Well, I tell you why. Because they want any revenue that they can. So if Tampa can sell 20,000 seats and New Orleans can't, they say, give me the 20,000. We'll split the money. Follow the money is your question. So the yep. answer would be if to make it uniform, the answer would the only answer could be. No fans in the stands anywhere, all 32 teams. That would be the answer because there are going to be some that can't have fans. The reason why they're not doing that is because they'll take 20% in any stadium that they can get. And I don't think any more than 20% is going to be allowed. But if there is, you better believe they're going to take it. And why? It's money. It's a hundred percent of that. And, and, you know, obviously it's not just Tampa's gate. There's a little bit goes to the visiting team. They're going to be losing money hand over fist. So 
any amount of money they bring in is better than nothing. And that's your answer, my friend, as it always is. Follow the money. <laughs> I, I hear you. Yep. Let me uh, ask you one more thing, Chris. Um, yes, sir. Following the money. Don't <laughs> the NCAA. What happens to the, to, to the little game they always have, Michigan versus Appalachia State or Florida State versus Central Florida or something, you know, where they got that giveaway money. They basically pay a team to come get beat on for the first week of the season. Are they going to be able to do that? What's no, happen? no, that that's done. And here's why the, the best scenario we have. Well, first of all, you know, you said Michigan, that was an example, but you know, obviously big 10 says they're not playing. Pac 12 is not playing. Uh, the mountain West is not playing. Uh, the Mac is not playing. So um, if, if the you know the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Twelve are now committed to playing, the SEC is conference only, so there is no you know in that case it's going to be pretty much conference only if we play at all. So this year it's going to be devastating for the Appalachian states of the world that um, they don't get that payday money, uh, and it's going to affect. It's going to hurt Florida. It's going to hurt you know. Um, you know, Alabama, LSU, but they can survive it. Uh, the smaller schools are going to have a hard time because now you not only get, don't get that money. How's that going to affect your non-revenue sports on campus? But no, that that's going to be done and that's going to be lost. And um, that's just the reality of, of what's going to happen this year, unfortunately. And uh, that's it is, well, it is, it's, it's, there's no doubt. There's, there's, and here's the other thing, by the way, too, is, you know, I knew, or I felt strongly that colleges like the Mac weren't going to be able to play because their revenue from the gate and the little bit they get from a small TV contract doesn't equal the amount that it's going to cost to pay for the testing. The testing's extremely expensive. It's like 45 grand a week. Mm. And they're not making enough money to cover that. Nope. So it doesn't make fiscal sense for a Mac to play. Now, that is not the case with the Big Ten. The Big Ten, they, they could spend millions of dollars on testing um, and still play. They decided not to. And I, I think I think it, that's, again, political. I also think there's fear of litigation, too, if something were to happen to one of these players. Don't, don't think that didn't happen. And one other thing I think I'd like to bring into the mix that yeah. I do believe had a factor with this. The one thing that was vervently discussed prior to the pandemic, right, is, you know, the, the groundswell of college players should be played, paid. Right. Uh, you know, they should – well – there's a lot of belief that making it, you know, going forward with college players playing almost feeds the the groundswell of you got to pay the players, you got to play the players, you got to pay the players. It feeds that monster. And I do believe from a upper administrative level in college, they, they say, and, and to Peter's point, to say, well, the NCAA, I do believe, although he said nothing, I know Mark Emmert pretty well. He was the chancellor at LSU when we brought Nick Saban over there. And 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 I work with him a lot. I believe that while he has no power to make a decision, he's put it out there. Guys, you know, you play the movement to we gotta pay these guys gets bigger and bigger in the in the court of public opinion. And I I 
listen, as we're saying it now, most cannot afford that because college athletics is run so differently because while football and to a certain degree basketball make a lot of money, 18 other sports on campus lose money hand over fist. And the the maybe sitting it out is more of of a of a feather in the cap to say, look, you see, we're not asking them to play. They're not like pro players. I'm not saying the the issue is going to die, but I think the issue would just to, you know revved up even more if they do play. So don't think that that's not part of this political discussion behind the scenes and may ultimately decide uh, whether even the remaining three conferences power conferences play good stuff matt thanks a lot for calling oh, go ahead bud i was just saying it's something i hadn't thought about the guy always has the answers yeah he does that's why we got him on here that's chris landry of the landry football network former scout of the houston oilers tennessee titans he knows what's going on not only in the nfl but in the ncaa thanks a lot for the call matt colson appreciate you right enjoy it man i'll talk to you later all right Thanks, matt. Open phone line, 727-255-0391 at 727-255-0391. It's the Sports Web Pro Football Edition. We're talking a little college football tonight. I'm your host, Peter Blake, along with Mr. Chris Landry here of the Landry Football Network. Chris, where do you stand on college uh, athletes getting paid? I, I, I believe college athletes do get paid. I think it's unfortunate that people look at free education as meaningless. Uh, ask anybody that's put a kid through college um, and ask them if it's free or if they consider that not getting paid. I think this, I think you can look at the value of a scholarship and I think we can increase it and do better. I think, for example, that, uh, you know, these players, kids, uh, excuse me, the, 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 the players, parents should be able to come to the game, watch their kids play. I think they could do a little bit more, but to out and out pay them, um, you know, I think there are things that could be done, and I've always believed this. I think there's, and while it would be complex, I would like to see players incentivized to stay in school longer. I would like to see more of an emphasis, um, and this is from a guy that was a college coach at one point. Most players are never going to play pro football, and the ones that do, they're never going to play, you know, into, I know we got Tom Brady in his 40s, but the reality is, is, you're going to have a whole different life beyond pro football, even if you have a great career, a Hall of Fame career. And you may not want for money, but I think the value of an education, I think focusing on, you know, that part of it is not emphasized enough. So I would be willing to look at maybe certain players' money going into a fund, and the longer a player stays in college, the more money he gets with that. So if somebody is under pressure to say, I'm going to leave early because my family needs the money, maybe that still would be the case. However, there is a way, I think, to incentivize. Look, in addition to that, you can maybe make some extra money if it comes from like name, image, and likeness. I think you could do that. But no, I'm not in favor of, no, they, you know, we can pay them. It's this. They make this, you know, a lot much more a month. I think increase the stipend, yes, uh, but out not pay them, no. I already think they get paid, and I think it is college athletics. It's a unique system, Peter. It's the only country in the world where it's the college ath athletics so big, so financially tied, yet it is tied to our pride, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, in other countries, I know, 
American football is not that important, but it is like club sports, but they're sponsored by, you know, a company. So it might be, a, you know, fill in the blank insurance company, you know, but we're tied to the Florida Gators, the Alabama Crimson Tide, the Ohio State Buckeyes, Michigan. We're completely different. And yes, it is big business, but it's a unique business in that it funds all these 18 to 20 sports on campus that don't make money. And there's a lot of things that would be affected negatively that people don't understand because all they read and hear about is, oh, they made this amount of money, you know, the, the NCAA basketball tournament or the, the playoffs made this, but they don't look at the expenditures of what it costs to run a gymnastics department or a tennis program. Those fun, those, they make, they lose a ton of money. And uh, I don't think there's as much money as people think. In fact, in the current environment, we're seeing it now. You're going to see it. Where's the money? Well, w- without the ability to, to, to have an NCAA basketball tournament and a college football season, you're going to see what's going to happen. You're going to see a lot of programs being canceled. And unless you get some bailouts from the government or the state, they're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, uh, what about likenesses? Because people talk about video games. You had a video game from EA who are using the likenesses of college football players. Do you feel like they should get paid on that? Or should EA Sports uh, stop using their likenesses unless they're willing to pay the college athlete? And with that being said, do you think the NCAA would kind of step aside? And we got Johnny Dean on hold here, so we'll go to him in a moment. Do you think uh, the NCAA would step aside and allow something along those lines of an agreement between uh, a college athlete and EA Sports to pay them on likeness? I think they're willing to let them look at it because I think that they they see that as a, something that doesn't come from the school. So they, they're looking at it and say, let's figure this out. So if a EA Sports or another outside entity – wants to create a revenue stream to help players. I think they would be open to that as opposed to, well, the school has to pay them. And my thoughts on it is, I think if you put it in a fund, I think that, um, and again, you incentivize players to stay a little longer. The longer they stay, the more percentage of that money they could get. I'm open to that. I think we're going to get into a lot of trouble when you've got, um, yeah, you're going to go ahead and be able to pay this player, that player, but maybe some players on the team don't get paid. I I don't think that's going to go over very well in today's societal doings inside a locker room where it, we're living in a meat culture. That's the reality that we are. Everybody wants their 15 minutes and everybody wants theirs. I get that. I'm a capitalist by nature, but I also understand that to preserve the sport that is so great of college ed, college football, college basketball. I think there are a lot of complexities that people who've never been on the inside of that don't quite get. It may sound good, but you're opening up a Pandora's box that you're, you're, you know, there's a lot of unintended consequences that come along with that. Good stuff. I'll tell you what, let's go out to the phone lines here. Mr. Johnny Dean, welcome to the evolution of sports talk television. You're on with yours truly along with Chris Landry of the Landry Football Network. What's on your mind? Man, you guys just hit on a topic that I'm really passionate about. All right. So, go for it. And it's it's not gonna be a pos- it's not gonna be a a positive take amongst a lot of fans, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always felt that college sports I'm an old school guy. I'm probably a little bit older than Chris, I don't know. But 
That's pretty. That's pretty old, but that's okay. You sound younger. I'm yeah. old. I'm old school too, so I'm all for it. I, I can't wait to hear it. I, I've been watching what's been developing within the college ranks for the last five years. With it's, it's not just. It didn't just happen overnight with this college pay stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but something else was added to it with the COVID here, and with the SEC and the ACC feeling that they don't need any other teams to play against. You know, that they're superior to everybody else anyway, so what the heck. Uh, he, Chris hit on something about club sports. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've felt that that was probably the way to go. Separate, because the, the, the Southeastern Conference, three-quarters of their school budget goes to a sports program, okay? Mm-hmm. There's the smaller schools spend more money on the scholastic version and so on and so forth. You know how that goes. Sure. So why don't they make a club league separate from the schooling because a big deal here at, at Pitt and something that happened in Penn state, not too long ago, one of the scholastic, the scholastic guys got COVID and died. And, and that's what I know. That's what Pitt and Penn have been talking about on the TV for like last two weeks was that what are we going to do to keep our students safe from the athletes? Mm-hmm. Because, in the end, they are uh, player athletes. I mean, player students. Sure. Right. Sure. They have to intermingle with the students, and they've been and they've been trying and trying. Maybe we can bubble the athletes over here and get their courses in. And and the, they they went through that, and the whole thing blew up. They could not. They couldn't find a, a solution to that. So, I don't know about the rest of the Big Ten shutting down, but I know that that's why Penn. Um, one uh, pen, I think it was, was, was so adamant about it. Okay. Okay, but um, I, that that club sport that Chris mentioned earlier, uh, why not? If everybody wants to separate, okay, the SEC is better than everybody else except for the ACC. Let them to play, but you're not going to have a national title like that. So go with pl- club sports. The, the colleges that actually survived the COVID, and that's there's going to when we. By the year 2021, at the end of that year, we're going to find out how many colleges can actually stand up and, and survive this. Right. So by the end of that year, I, I would suggest club sports. And as far as players getting getting paid, I, I, I don't – a stipend is probably all that a college itself can afford to play a player. Mm-hmm. player but definitely, if, if a player can get make money off his autograph – off a t-shirt, off whatever, I don't see a problem with it because they're making their whole livelihood off those players. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, but then again, you you look at the other side of it, you know, how does it change college sports in general? I'm all about uh, equality, but like Chris said, I mean, how do you determine one's value? Because you look at Tim Tebow, you know, Tim Tebow is bringing in how many millions of dollars for the Florida Gators for his jersey, and of course, he's not that, seeing any of that money. What I just said settles that, because right? Because if they're getting paid for their jersey, their autograph, it might not be fair for the guy who can't sell his autograph. But then maybe that guy should get out of football. Well, I mean, then how does that re- affect recruiting, there, Chris? I mean, well, what's going to happen? And again, this is the unintended consequences. So here, here's how it's going to work if you if you go down that path. You're gonna you're gonna have. Uh, 
in, in controlling this is going to be impossible. So you'll have school X go to Peter Blake and say, Peter, if you come to my school, you know, uh, here's what we can do for you. So we've got our booster that owns a car dealership and he can give you X amount of money to just come in and, you know, kiss a couple of babies and shake a couple of hands. Can't do that in the COVID era. I get that. But, you know, in a normal sense, you know, so you see where it's going. So now you, what they do is try to make sure that you, you kept, you're responsible for controlling your bolsters boosters. But if you're allowing outside entities to play your players, well, that's going to be used in recruiting advantages. And that's there, therein lies the problem. The problem with the club sports idea is that's not how this country's built. You're not going to make any money because no one is going to see people are tied to the college. It's about the Gators. It's about the Seminoles. It's about the Penn State Nittany Lions. They're not going to be there with just some club. Now, yeah, certainly you have club in some other sports. You have that. But this is big business. And that's what sells. And there's a passion that's directly tied to that because it's tied to the school. And that doesn't exist in other countries, good or bad. From a money-making standpoint, it makes a lot of money. And it, you know, let me say this, uh, the programs, you know, a lot of the major programs, they're self-sustaining. They don't need, in many cases, some cases, they don't even get state funds. They are self-sufficient. It's like a hundred million dollar budget that not only pays for the entire athletic department in normal times, but there are cases where the athletic department will give money back to the university. It is, you know, so you can do that. You can, in these big time football programs, make enough money in basketball, make enough money to support 18 to 20 other sports on campus, including scholarships and travel and everything, those budgets. And in some cases, make enough money with these TV contracts to and and uh, deals with the apparel companies to be able to give money back to the university. So they're money making machines. And um, this is something that's not understood that when you have success like Alabama, their success in this run of the modern era, the amount of money that has been made out by Alabama, the university, the enrollment. And I'm not quite sure I get this why the nursing department, the engineering department has increased enrollment of better students and more of them when the football team is good. And that happens, again, I'm not quite sure it correlates, but I mean, I'm not sure I understand why that correlates, but it does. So you're seeing programs like the engineering and and, and a lot of these places where they're able to build bigger buildings and better research. So there is, we always used to call it, college athletics is the front porch of your university. It's maybe not the most important thing, but what it does, it generates a lot of revenue for the university in addition to being self-sustaining in, in many cases. But in some cases, there's not enough money to pay for it all. And then when you take the revenue away, like loss of a season, there are going to be people that are going to be hurting. Answer your question there, Johnny Dean. Anything else? Yeah, the the as far as when he said the front porch of the 
institution. When I mentioned club sports, that's basically what I had in mind. Each each club would still be attached to a team by name okay. and by location. So they would still associate the team with that 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 school. Okay. But you would have a a, a definite delineation between the team and the school as far as the way the team would be run and the school is run. That's basically what's going on now. I mean, the college athletic programs have taken over the school's fundings. I mean, they've taken over everything part of the education system in that school because the better the education system in the school, like he was just talking, the better the team, the better the education system. It's because more people are wanting to go to that team. You'd still get that same influx if you had those guys out in front, but the ticket sales and stuff would still go into the program, which it, that's no different. People say, oh, but then you'd, you'd be killing the scholastic part. No, mm-hmm. because it's still going – what the college revenue is taken in, the, the sports revenue is taken in, is still going into the system. Have you seen them gyms? Well, yeah, but here's the thing about it. In the other countries where they have club sports, uh, basically it is separate. So they're all students, but then they all get subsidized by you know a business. What this has done is differently. They the, the 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 student athletes are tied to the university because they are students, and that's the big distinction. Because in other countries, the ability to sell well soccer, what they call football in, in European countries and whatnot, um, they don't make as much money in college. It's not a college-based business. We got an unusual system because it makes a ton of money, and you're not going to put the genie back in the bottle. Um, and they. They they don't want to have it where, okay, players can get subsidized by someone else because then that becomes a layer of their employees and their issues with that. So this is what they're fighting. So, I mean, it's it's a great concept and an idea, but as I said, there are unintended consequences that are underlying reasons. Trust me, there are a lot of smart people that have looked at this and said, there are reasons why we can't do that and why this is a better model and while I sometimes don't know that it is or it isn't. There are reasons why we don't go down that path. It's not like, well, no one's ever thought of this. Let's try this. No, it, everyone's thought of that, and they've decided that they don't want to go in that direction. All right. Yeah. G- good. I st- agree, but there is going to be a shakedown, and, and it's got to be this, – this, the COVID has created a system where there is going to be a shakedown in, in college sports. It's already showing up with Big Ten pulling out. Push, talking about pushing it to uh, spring, other other leagues talk about we're canceling completely, you know, and, and then the SEC and the ACC talking about no, we're going to play no matter what. So right. that it, in itself has created a big shakeup in college. Well, and let, let me just give in there uh, just because you made a point of the SEC, ACC. The only thing that's different, the SEC and ACC, there's nothing definitive about what they've said. They've said they're going forward with the season. A week ago, the Big Ten announced their schedule, and a week later, they announced that they're not playing. Okay, The only difference is the SEC and ACC are waiting it out because they at least, and I think eventually, they're probably going to have to cancel their season also. I hope not, but they probably will. And at the end, they're going to be able to say, we did everything we could. What they want is they want to look at all options, meaning 
they're going to see if we can't get the season started in September. They've given the late September start date. They'll look at that and say, we'll push it back to October. We'll push, you know, if they have to, if they, if they need to. Eventually, they're going to run out of fall season, right? But at least they're going to be able to say, we gave it our best shot. As opposed to the Big Ten and the Pac-12, I think their fan bases are really up in arms. There is I can't hear not, there is not one coach, there's not one athletic director in the Big Ten that's happy about this decision. They are ticked off big time, but this decision's made even above the president level at these Big Ten universities. But what's happening is, you know, their fan bases are frustrated because I think they feel like, why did you announce it now? Why didn't you wait? And that's that's the difference. So it, it we don't know that the ACC and the SEC in the Big Twelve and the Sun Belt are going to play. We hope they are, or I do, and I think a lot of people do, but nothing's definite on that. That's going to, you know, for now, as we sit here, which it's the August, the 12th of August, let's stay tuned on the 13th, the 14th, the 15th, the 19th. Nothing, nothing is set. We're not guaranteed that the, the NFL is going to make it. And yes, there's less than 1% positive tests. But we don't know. I mean, you know, we just don't know with this. It's a it's a case by case and a day by day situation. I'm sure you would agree. Yeah. All right. Final thing, Chris, before I hang up. <laughs> yes, sir. Sure. That kind of brings us full circle. That kind of brings us full circle back to what, we, what you and Matt were discussing earlier, when where this is actually the point I was trying to come back around to is that, that college football has to absolutely find some kind of leadership and organization that that has the one that it has now has failed so it has to create an organization that makes these decisions instead of yeah yes and let me tell you why it hasn't to this point it's because of power and ego so in order for that to happen here's what needs to happen the power five schools we know the power five schools that are the real big boys they're the ones that, that need to be separated, and I think we need to find a way to funnel the money to the G5 schools. We shouldn't be playing those mercenary games. The, re- the only reason why they're playing them is for money. I do think there should be a way that we can funnel some money to those schools where, you know, the G5 schools, the group of five schools can have their own championship. A lot of them don't want to do that. But So the reason why we don't is because it's like a cartel. You know, the Big Ten commissioner, the Pac-12 commissioner, they have to agree as a group, we're going to appoint somebody that is the college football commissioner of all of the Power Five. The problem with that is nobody wants to give up the power. And the here's the thing about it. Everybody always points to the NCAA. There is no such thing as an NCAA. The NCAA is its member institutions. Mark Emmert is the president, but the NCAA is run by its member institutions. There are committees on everything. So the, the, the president of Michigan State, the president of you know, XYZ University, they're, they're all they're, they're, they basically make these decisions. But I believe that there should be a college football commissioner, a college basketball commissioner that can oversee it. But in order to do that, you have to have an agreement. The NFL, the NBA, baseball, they all have what? A commissioner that's appointed by the owners, okay? But in college, it's done by individual conferences, 
and no one wants to usurp the power. The SEC commissioner doesn't want to give up his power to someone else. Same with the ACC. That's the problem. There's no one there with the authority, not the president of the NCAA. No one can say, you got to do this. That's the problem, and that's the bureaucracy that I'm talking about. And until they say, maybe we got to do this together, and we got to do what's good for the entire sport together, that's it when and only when it's going to change. Back in the old days, in the 30s, when the NFL was starting, God rest his soul, Wellington Mara, the New York Giants, could have said, to hell with you guys. I'm in New York. I can do my own TV deal. Chicago, Mr. Hallis, I could do my own TV deal. But they were sharp enough to say, I can't be the New York Giants. I can't be the Chicago Bears if we don't have the Green Bay Packers. You know, we don't have, you know, the Canton Bulldogs at the time and what have you. They realized that in order to be in business together, they needed one another as on-the-field opponents. And if you didn't have success, you weren't going to make it. Ralph Wilson, the late Ralph Wilson, the owner of the Bills, mm -hmm. in the AFL days, he gave the Raiders, he floated them alone. Literally, the Raiders were funded by the Buffalo Bills for about three years. The Eagles, uh, for a few years, uh, was funded by Mr. Ford of the Detroit Lions. We weren't always living in a world where there was money hand over fist. But it was that type of camaraderie that's you know that said, look, we're good. We can't have a league. We can't have an, have an AFL or an NFL back in the day if we didn't have enough teams, and you'd have teams falling by the wayside. So they funded one another so they could have opponents to play. And now it's grown into this big. Well, college football is organically grown in such a way where it's it's kind of eating itself. And again. Who wants to give up their power to somebody else? Well, no one wants to do that. Therein lies the problem. So sorry for going on and on, but that's the reality of the bureaucratic red tape problem that is in college athletics. And it's been that way for a while. It's only magnified now because we got a major problem in this COVID environment where you clearly don't see any organization, whereas at least... The NFL has a plan that we hope will work. Major League Baseball, NBA, hockey, everybody's got a plan. They're organized. We don't know if it's going to work, but mm -hmm. there's a much better chance because they've got a, a a cooperative effort on how to try to figure out every issue. And this is obviously an unusual and the biggest one we've probably ever come across is COVID. Yeah, absolutely. And Johnny Dean, great Thank you guys very much. Yeah, Thanks, Johnny. Isn't he? Isn't he awesome? I'm telling you right now. Open phone line. We got a couple more minutes with Chris. And like I said, we go two hours with this guy because he definitely teaches you something. This is Chris Landry of the Landry Football Network. It's the Sports Web Pro Football Edition. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. So the NFL, if let's say college football does not exist on Saturdays, do you think they come to some sort of an agreement where they would play games on Saturday and then in turn push back the draft so college football could uh, play in the spring? Yes, on TV. The TV networks would be desperate. Um, it would cause some logistical issues in college, as you know. Uh -huh. um, making the flex schedules with Sunday games to Sunday night, not a problem because it doesn't affect your hotel stays and stuff. 
but that's not going to be an issue in the COVID environment. I mean, the hotels would need, I mean, you know, it's, I think you're going to see games on Saturday in addition to the Thursday games. The NFL has never played Friday games unless it's a holiday because they were also always respective of high school. I don't know. Um, still probably might be the case, but I wouldn't rule it out uh, that we we could we, we definitely sit on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Wouldn't rule it out on Friday in certain cases. Uh, it would depend. It might depend upon like the state. Like for example, if they're not going to play fall sports in California. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a package where at least they had some games maybe emanating from the state of California on Friday night. No, I think the NFL is going to capitalize on it. There's a way to make some extra money or, or, or recoup some of the money. And good Lord, Peter, you, you're in the business. You know, the television network just saying, oh, my God, you know, we don't have college football. I, I know it's not the same to put NFL games in replacement of college on Saturday. But without anything, at least a couple of NFL games. I mean, we know we do that. The, the, if you notice, we have always historically seen the NFL games on Saturday after the high school and college season are over. Right. That's the we don't want to, you know, take a you know what into our form system, which is college football. But if there is no college football, uh, everyone's going to understand for the betterment of everybody. I think we'll see some of those games, and they are discussing it now. The how they do it, pull it off. Yeah, I don't know. The logistics of it's going to be a nightmare in this current environment. We'll take another phone call. Welcome to the Evolution of Sports Talk Television Pro Football Edition. You're on with yours truly, along with Chris Landry. What's on your mind? Hello, welcome to the Sports Web. Hello, welcome to the Sports Web. Going once, going twice. He's out of here. I'm pu I'm putting him to sleep. <laughs> oh, there you go, Not Mr. Sound Effects. I hadn't heard that in a while. That was that a that's an old yes. Price is Right deal, huh? There you go. Actually, he's calling back. So let's see if we can get him on. Welcome to the Sports Web. What's on your mind? Hey, Peter. It's Todd from St. Pete. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, buddy. You're on with Chris Landry. You got a question? Todd. No, I don't. I don't have a question at all. I just wanted to give Chris a shout out. I wanted to give you a shout out. Um, it's funny because when when Johnny Dean called in. Mm -hmm. I could barely hear him, but I turned up the volume on the iPad and I could hear what he was talking about. Okay. And the 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 absolute depth and knowledge that Chris brought to all of Johnny's points <laughs> right. was amazing. Uh -huh. And I think it's it's really important for for all the people that are listening to this and watching this on Facebook or wherever it is to understand that to have a wealth of knowledge like Chris on this show is extremely rare. So I just wanted to give you guys props. I'm just going to keep listening. I love your show. Keep it up, guys. You guys are awesome. Hey, man. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. That's why we got Chris Landry on here. I'm going to ask you about two running backs really quick. Darius guys who you're familiar with. Chris, in a million, did you think that there were going to be some issues with him, with him? Because with him coming out of LSU, he was successful. But there were character issues, which is why he dropped in the second round. What are your thoughts on the guy situation? And yeah. The Football team. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's uh, and a, some of it. Um, uh, there's a blind eye turned to some of the issues that went on at LSU. And there's a lot of people in the local media in Louisiana that when he dropped in the draft, they didn't quite know why. And look, um, we don't have all the answers in the NFL, but, but let me just tell you that uh, with the background and investigative work, the money and the time and detail that's put into all that, 
there's a lot of information that they, they, they know what you had for lunch today. I mean, it, 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 you know, so there, there, there was a smoking gun. Now, does it always lead to a domestic violence situation or something bad? Not always, but you're aware of it. And what you try to do is you try to evaluate it. And that's why we've also thrown in a lot of experts because as football guys, we're not experts on it, but you try to get psychologists to evaluate and tell you whether this is going to be a pattern of behavior. And it's a byproduct of people's environments. And, you know, I, you know, Peter, you just never know with it. I did. Did I, did I tell you the, the story uh, about Lawrence Phillips when he came out and scouting him? Did I mention the thing? Okay. Real quick. Go ahead tell that story. So, so give, yeah. Give, give me, just to give you an idea. People remember Lawrence Phillips played it in the back to God rest us. So he passed away. And, um, so he is in, you know, coming out of Nebraska, had a great year, uh, a couple of played and, um, he was a great talent, had a lot of problems at Nebraska and I was aware of the problems. Now at Lincoln, coach Osborne had real close tight ships. So things happened that they kind of, you know, still was part of the program, but there was a smoking gun. I still remember this to this day. I interviewed him at the combine in a little private session to get to know him. And one of the things that concerned me, one of the questions I asked, it was about, tell me about, you know, your family upbringing, who are you closest to in your life? First of all, I asked him about his mother. He didn't know who his mother was. I asked him who his father was. Didn't know his father. Mm. Pretty sad. Um, and I asked him who he was closest to in his life. And he told me his brother. I said, Greg, tell me, tell me about your brother. How often do you see him? He says, oh, coach, I haven't seen him in seven years. He's in the Los Angeles State Penitentiary. Mm. That's the person he was closest to in his life. And I thought, and it's like, I'm not a psychologist. I'm a football coach, but I've been, I recruited kids, been a recruiting coordinator. I've been, it's just this kid has got problems. Not excusing, like, not like, boy, let's excuse it. But this guy's not right. He doesn't think right. And if you go back and look. So anyway, this is who my head coach and general manager were, they wanted to take. And he told the story. He had a problem with a domestic violence issue on campus. And he kind of had his story, obviously his agent had prepared him that it, it wasn't as bad. And again, you didn't have video on it. So it was kind of a, and I just said, I, I said, look, I said, guys, we can't, we cannot go down this path. I said, we need to at least get him evaluated by a, a psychological professional. Now everybody does this, but this wasn't as common then. Mm -hmm. Peter, it was like you would swear of asking for a, a, a yacht when I asked for seven hundred fifty dollars from Bud Adams to get a psychological test on uh, Lawrence Phillips. Mm. Let me tell you what this uh, brilliant young psychologist told me about Lawrence, the report she wrote after we done, I, I got him to spend the 750 bucks to, to do it, by the way. Mm -hmm. Good for you, by the she, way. She said, yeah, it's my, my best sales job I've ever done, I guess. And she said, he grew up in an environment where he had no family values. He had no siblings that he could rely upon. So 
when he was involved in football and he was kept busy by meetings and practice, you could tend to coordinate that and keep him somewhat in line, but that he was always, this is a quote, always a ticking bomb. Because the minute you have free time, he's going to go back to what he knows. And what did he know best? The gang culture in L.A. Well, what got Lawrence Phillips? Remember, he was drafted. And by the way, that test was enough to convince my head coach and general manager to take the guy that I wanted, and that was Eddie George. And so Lawrence Phillips was off the table. God love it, Dick Vermeil. Love Dick Vermeil. Like, just love him like an uncle. And uh, he, you know, was going to rehabilitate Lawrence Phillips. And he did a really good job when he had Lawrence Phillips in the building. But what happened when Lawrence went out and, you know, it was the offseason, had the problems. Mm-hmm. And it happened, and it happened, and it happened. And to the point where people who don't know are forgotten, Lawrence Phillips ended up in jail. Lawrence Phillips ended up killing somebody in jail. Then Lawrence Phillips ended up killing himself in jail. Mm-hmm. I use this as an example of a devastating worst case scenario example of real life. I'm sitting across a guy that's talking like you and I are talking. Mm -hmm. And this guy had demons in him that I didn't quite understand. And I needed to get evaluated by somebody that was a little bit more into that while I'm looking at the football stuff and seeing, I think those things are really important to understand that when you're looking at players, you've got to look at and see what it is the best you can make some ticks. So what's their pattern of behavior? People make mistakes, right? You get second chances. You maybe get third chances and fourth chances if you're really talented, but are you a bad guy or have you done bad things? There is a distinction. There is a difference because somebody who does mischief or does bad things that doesn't have good upbringing or environments, sometimes you can correct the ones that just don't, it's not that they don't, they may not see good and bad the way you and I see it, mm-hmm. and they may not give a damn, quite frankly, pardon my French, no, because they're... if they grow up in an environment where stealing is, is, is accepted in their community, then it's not as bad to them. And this is these are all things we deal with. And so, like, real quick, it's an individual case. So, you know, I mean, I think when, when, you're, when you're looking at, Different players. When Keith Bullock came out of Syracuse, mm-hmm. Keith Bullock was uh, had a problem. His brother was in jail. His brother had a lot of problems. Keith had a couple of issues. But when I investigated Keith, it's a blanket. he had a foster family. And one of the things I found out with, with Keith was Keith was around all sorts of trouble as a kid. Mm-hmm. But he didn't cross the line and go bad. And I thank the foster family a little bit for that. But that's when I knew while there was a red flag on Keith, I had a feeling in my instinctively that this is a guy that wanted to do right, that wasn't bad. I I don't believe God makes any junk. I, I, I believe that there's inherent good. But I think there's some people that do bad, that become bad and and live that. You got to determine that, and so I'm, I'm not going off on a tangent. But this is whether it's Derek guys. I don't think Derek's a bad. I know he's not a bad kid, but he's had some issues. He's had problems, and and you do something bad. Well, hitting a woman is bad. 
Why do you do that? Why? What? You can't tolerate that. But how do you know that somebody who hasn't done that is going down that path and you don't want to get involved with them or whether it's somebody that's maybe done some things, but you can rehabilitate them. And that's the, the, the most difficult thing in evaluating players and making decisions on players. Great stuff. Uh, that's must-see TV right there. That's uh, inside the curtain there with Mr. Chris Landry. Let's go out to the phone lines. Phone calls tonight are just crazy. Curtis from Newport Ritchie, welcome uh, to the Sports Web here, Pro Football Edition. I'm your host, Peter Blake, along with Mr. Chris Landry. What's on your mind? Nothing, man. I just want to comment on what Chris is saying, and I want to tell y'all my story. Uh, so, Peter, I actually was born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. And uh, they – they live, eat, die, everything, Nebraska football in Omaha and in the state of Nebraska. And there were so many stories coming out of the university in Nebraska about Lawrence Phillips. And, you know, the guy that everybody really wanted was Tommy Frazier, but they couldn't get him because of his health. Right. And, you know, it was it was Lawrence Phillips. And you know, I, I agree with Chris. I mean, yeah, I agree with uh, Mr. Landry, man. It, Lawrence, Chris, Chris. All, he had all the talent in the world, but he had so many demons. And there were so many stories that was coming out of the Because my uncle went to school with them. And my uncle, would tell, he used to tell me stories about just all the crazy stuff that used to go on in the locker room with that guy. And can you imagine? <laughs> there was no internet back then. There was no social media. So you're right. That stuff was happening. Could you imagine stuff like that? And look, we get this detailed report of all these players, of, of things that have happened that are on and off the record. Could you imagine that happening in a modern day with cell phones where everybody's got a camera? I mean, all that stuff would have been documented, right? It wasn't, you're correct. It wasn't as well known. It was known by people in Nebraska, people talk was known by us that are covering it, but it wasn't as known to the to everybody else. Stuff, you know, we're living in the information age where everything happens and it's usually caught on video. So when you deny it on Monday, on Tuesday, you got video of, oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like I said, the guy everybody really wanted was Tommy Frazier. Huh. That's the guy everybody, that's the guy everybody wanted. Hmm. But, you know, the, I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but... My uncle told me, you know, there were stories of him having blood clots in his legs, and that's why he went to Canadian football. Of <laughs> he had, he did have some medical issues, and he did. You're correct. You're absolutely right. You got a great memory. He did have blood clots, and that was a real concern. Tommy could have played a couple of positions, and he could have done some things. The next level, the blood clots was. I, I, I remember that distinctly. That was a that was a real concern coming out of the, the combine when we had them, that um, those things were – and, and it, there was a something that was causing it. I forget the medical term, but hmm. it was a real concern, and that did affect his career. Yeah, Bradenton yeah. Southeast, local kid. So, yes, sir. Uh, and, uh, you know, definitely gave uh, Nebraska everything he had there, even with the condition. So uh, yeah, I, I actually think he would work better, if not for the medical condition – be, and just you know, bear with me on this because the landscape has kind of changed with mobile quarterbacks, and he was a mobile quarterback. I feel like he would ultimately be more successful these days than back then. Is that yeah? Is that yeah, you could see a little. You can see a little some of the stuff that Lamar Jackson's doing in in his game, but yeah, he was a little bit ahead of his time. You're correct, but uh, and, and yeah, go ahead. 
Michael Vick before Michael Vick. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it was before Michael. He was before all those guys. Michael was, he was, was he, Michael Vick before Michael Vick. Like you know, I know the world went crazy when Vick came out and went to Virginia, but you know, people have forgotten about Tommy Frazier because he didn't get a chance to go to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things that's disappointing because he was such a great college football player, but he did have those health concerns. Anything else, Curtis? No, that's it right I, now, I see your big Curtis has got a, a lot of activity going on there. How old, how old is she? I, she is, she's almost two and I just, oh, <laughs> there you go. The terrible, the terrible twos, my friend, God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, get healthy too, buddy. All right. And my uncle used to say, you know, Tom Osborne was, was like the greatest man he ever knew. And, you know, because winning was such a, a big priority sometimes, a lot of things that those high priority or high profile players did got overlooked. Hmm. Well, yeah, no, he coach Coach Osborne, well, Tilla just just was so great and Coach McBride and you know, they were so unique in that those assistants on that staff, he had his staff were there thirty, in some cases thirty five years with him. Can you imagine? I mean, Charlie McBride ran the defense. Frank Solich, who replaced him, was I mean, he played for Coach Devaney and so uh and and Curtis is right. I mean, it n- Nebraska that that they're defined in a way like lot, you know, maybe an Alabama's defined in the state. It's that's the pride. You wear the the red and the the N on the helmet. Um in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh you you you, you on a Saturday, that's uh you know the the real you, you realize that they have sold out every home game at Lincoln, Nebraska since John F. Kennedy was president. Mm. Let that let that think in 1962, a year before he was assassinated. Um, as the old saying goes, the old the old gentleman goes into the Nebraska game, and he's sitting there by himself. The seat next to him is empty, and someone says to him, "Sir, what? I mean, this is a big game. You guys are playing in Oklahoma. What would you think?" He says, "Well, he says that my my seat was for my wife." He said. Okay, you know, he says, Where, where's your wife? He says, well, he says, um, my wife passed away. Oh, I said, oh, sir, I'm really sorry to hear that, you know. Uh, I, you know, but, I mean, I don't mean to be insensitive, but couldn't you get one of her friends or one of your friends to to uh, maybe join you at the game? He said, oh, no, no, they're all at their, they're all at their funeral. So, um, you know, they, that that's how passionate the Nebraska fans were. They don't, they don't, you, can, you can hit me with the, the fracture. That is how passionate it is in Nebraska. I, I, I deserve that. I really do. Um, that is how passionate it is. You don't miss games. And, by the way, another quick thing, and Curtis will appreciate this. I don't know of any stadium I've ever been into that gives a standing ovation to the opponent when they go off the field. So whether they lose or beat them, you know, they will literally at Lincoln, they will stand up and clap for the opponent as they go off the field. Now, a lot of times in the big eight is, is when they were, you know, kicking Iowa state's rear end by 62 to 10, but you know, what? but, but they, they're always, I, I've seen them, saw them stand up against and get beat. Um, 
uh, you know, by a really good team and, you know, like, like Washington or somebody and they, they'll, they'll clap. Very unique place. Uh, definitely a bucket list place that uh, our friend there I'm sure has been. But uh, if you get a chance to go to a home game in Lincoln, it's, it's a special place. I've, I've been, but it's been a long, it's been a long time. I've been in Florida over 20 years. So. Mm. Yeah. All right, my friend, I will let you go. Definitely use that second and third call here on the sports yeah. club. All right, boss. All right, guys. Be well. Thanks for calling. All right, there you go. I got one more question. I'm going to get you out of here. We're running late. Oh, I know we sure. got Brent Allen of uh, Pewtercast who's coming on after this. Awesome. But we have uh, you know Ronald Jones saying uh, he always tells me to get low on my routes and run my routes like I've already have the ball. That was uh, Jones's comments uh, about uh, with Tom Brady saying that to uh, Ronald Jones. What does he mean by that? What does Ronald Jones mean by getting low? And then on top of it. Why do scouts look so much at running backs running low? Because the whole thing about Eddie uh, George when he was coming out of Ohio State is he ran too upright. Of course, you guys took him, and he turned out to be a, a fantastic player. But why do scouts look so much at running backs running low to the ground? So it's a leverage game. So the, the whole key, whether it's blocking, tackling, in this case, when you're running, you're trying to break tackles and avoid tackles. The low man wins, leverage wins. So if you're up high, and that Eddie ran high, the best upright runner that we've ever seen is Eric Dickerson, and and he was able to do it. But you know, um, if you are able to get through the hole with a lot of steam and run upright, you can still be successful. But the low man wins and allows you to create uh, advantage and leverage on contact. So you want guys to be able to to run low, play with that what we call low pad level because low pad level usually wins in that leverage game, that balance game. Okay. All right. And uh, with Ronald Jones, with, with him and saying that with his routes running low, that's all he means? It's just with the well, leverage? Yeah. You, you know, and the key is when you're running to that's out of the backfield receiver, you know, spread out, what you want to in low, you want to be prepared for the football because the reason why he wants them low is he wants them prepared for the ball at all times. That's why I said, Run as if you've got the ball at all times because you don't in, – in many of the routes that he's going to get, that he's going to run, he's not going to be the first or second, maybe the tertiary option. So you don't know when you're going to get it. So run it as if it's coming to you every time. That way you're never surprised. That way you're in the best balanced position to adjust to the ball because it might be coming out hot, right? Mm -hmm. And so you might have to adjust it a little bit and you're in better position to turn up field. If you're running it with the idea of, I'm not sure if I'm going to get it. Oh, I got to adjust here. It comes. Then that little bit of a half a second adjustment obviously le loses a little bit in your ability to make a play on the defense. That's obviously make trying to converge on you very quickly. It's a game of split seconds. So those things are really, really important. That's why I always tell receivers too. You got to run every route like the ball is coming to you. So, you know, and I, you know, Randy Moss is a great player, Hall of Fame player, but one thing I'll, I'll play when I want to play, but, you know, it's always no. You've got to sell your, if you come out like you're lackadaisical as a back or a receiver and you know you're not the main target, you're dictating to the defense that, well, it's not going here. So run it as the ball is coming to you, A, because it may come to you, even in an improvisational sense. But the ability of you to be able to sell your route and clear out the safety will allow you, even if it's a run play, 
It's pivotal. It's why we grade guys on assignment, effort, execution, and result. Sometimes the result's there, but the result, you can't coach or teach the result. You got to coach the assignment and teach the assignment, effort, technique, because you the result might be there because you had good fortune because you just did a better job than they did on the other side, but it's not transferable play in and play out. So do it right all the time. Practice doesn't make perfect, right? Practice makes permanent. Perfect practice makes perfect. So do it right all the time. Run the route the same way all the time. Come out of the backfield and be ready for the ball all the time because when it comes to you, you're ready. You know, you don't ever say, get ready. No, stay ready. You don't get ready, stay ready. When you are stay ready, then you're already there. You don't have to get there. And he stays ready here on the Evolution of Sports Talk Television. That's Mr. Chris Landry, former scout for the Houston Oilers, Tennessee Titans, worked with Bill Belichick for the Cleveland Browns, put together draft rooms, has consulted NFL teams, and now a part of the Landry Football Network. Great stuff, Chris. Always enjoy your time here on the Sports Web Pro Football Edition, all right? Always great to be with you. Thanks. God love you for what you're doing. We're so, so pleased with uh, what you're providing uh, all the great listeners here and hope everybody's out there enjoying it. Hey, folks, go to the Twitch channel. Uh, check Peter out, you know, like him, click that heart button, go in the chat room, uh, participate because uh, we, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Uh, love being a part of it. The Landry Football Network, the Chris Landry Football Twitch channel. Of course, the Sports Web Pro Football Edition. Thanks a lot for your time, all right? Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Take all care. All right. See you next week. There you go. Good stuff. I Honestly, I did not expect that Lawrence Phillips story. Uh, that's must-hear television, in my opinion. And I know the webheads are commenting. I will get to you guys. I have not forgotten you. But look, when you've got a man that definitely knows his stuff and is going to take you behind the curtain. He took you behind the curtain on Lawrence Phillips. He told you about a Darius guys. Let me go out to uh, Mr. Brent Allen here of uh, Peter cast uh, tonight here on the evolution of sports talk television. I-, I know that you were listening to that. I mean, the whole Lawrence Phillips thing just kind of <clears throat> flipped me for a, for a loop there. Yeah. Peter, I, I got to tell you, I got a bone to pick with you, brother. Yes, what's that? Or, or your producer, your show producer, or whatever. Yes. How in the world are you going to bring me on after that? <laughs> like, what am I going to... You had a caller who was like, like, hey, I want you to know, like, the fact that you guys get, like, a guy like Chris Landry, like, that's great for your show. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, all the other yokels like me are just sort of filling in time till we get to Chris. Like, come on, Peter, what in the world, man? Hey, man, you do your thing on the Peter <laughs> You do it, Rendax. We have no complaints here on the sports lab. We get our quality people on. You're quality. You always bring great content. Everybody does here. That's oh, why so I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious. I'm not blowing smoke up. You know what? Uh, yeah. We want to have you on unless you could definitely, uh, you know, uh, push the needle, which is what you do here on the sports web. So appreciate you. Wow. Thank you very much for being patient. No, with I'm so I glad to be here. I really, I'm so glad that that was, I, in some ways I kind of feel like I just went to school and I'll be honest. I was only halfway paying attention. Uh, Cause I, as I was sort of getting everything set up around here for, for you guys and, and what we have going on. But I mean, Oh, it was one of those, like I went, I'm going to need to go back and listen to this entire segment and conversation as opposed to when I just sort of popped in the chat room there. 
Yeah, well, let's talk about Ronald Jones because we were talking yeah. about running backs and uh, you know, much has been made. He's going to be the guy that's going to carry the load. He wants yeah. to be a, a top five, top 10 back. I'm high on him. I always say this. His uh, model should have been in 2020 a victim of volume because he's not necessarily getting enough carries and enough touches. And mm -hmm. it certainly seems like from his presser and um, from, of course, Bruce Arians that he's going to get more touches. So yeah. how do you feel about Ronald Jones? It certainly seems like he's got more confidence. I mean, this is a guy in his first year only had 77 total rushing yards, and now he had 724 in his second year. I mean, can yeah. he be a thousand yard back? Can he be everything that he's talked about? He absolutely can. And Ronald Jones took it, as you just pointed out, took a huge step from year one to year two. I anticipate nothing less than just as much of a huge step from year two to year three. And this will be his year, I think, coming in. And here's the other thing. I remember, and this will, this will make my old friend Chris Fisher happy. Way back when we had Doug Martin, remember when he was running really good for us? Yes. Part of the, re and, and when you go back and you look at the analytics of what happened, the games that we won, the games that we did well, they fed the ball to Doug Martin 20 plus times. They got 20 touches in a game. And when you went and you looked at the game where he didn't have 20 touches, either because they split it out or because we got in a situation where we had to pass all the time, or they were just being boneheads about it and not feeding the ball like you should, mm -hmm. we tended to come up on the wrong side of the scoreboard. If they can feed the ball to Ronald Jones, who is going to be our number one back, which by the way, I know when we signed Shady McCoy, everybody's all like, oh, look, look at the Shady McCoy is never going to come in here and be RB1. All right, let's let's get that straight. Like, I know Bruce Arians went out and said it. This is something the rest of us, at least, you know, who are tuned into the Buccaneers and what's going on. He was not coming in to be number one. That's Ronald Jones. That's his spot. Shady's coming in to, to be that number two, number three guy, bring some veteran presence, uh, very much coming in at league minimum type stuff. And, you know, we'll see what happens to him as the as the season goes on. But this is this is Ronald Jones's year. And I got to tell you, part of the reason why we didn't feed the ball to the running back position as much as we have over the last five years is because we were throwing the ball all the dang time Yep. because we were playing from behind. I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not saying who's at fault. It's not just one person, by the way. There was a whole lot of people involved with that. But we all know when you get behind like that, you've got to throw the ball so you stop feeding the ball to the running back. We stay ahead. We stop giving the ball away. The defense stands up and doesn't give the game away at the end or doesn't allow the other team to run it up on us early. So we're playing from behind. And guess what? We control the clock. We control the ball. We could move it forward. Ronald Jones has, he has everybody pumping in all the confidence to him. And you know what we're seeing, Peter, is we're seeing that confidence that, that Bruce Arians is talking about him. Tom Brady is talking about him. We're watching what he's doing in the offseason and it's paying off. You know, sometimes yeah. they talk, talk up about these guys and it just nothing ever comes of it. That's not the case with Ronald Jones. They're talking him up. He's putting in the work. He's doing what he needs to do. And I, I'm excited to see what happens with Ronald Jones this year. Do I know what's going to happen? No. Can he be a thousand yard back? Yes, he can. I think he could be a 13, maybe even a 1500 all purpose yard type of back. I really do. Is he going to get there? That remains to be seen, but I think he has the ability to do it. 
Yeah, he definitely has the ability to do what we're on with Brent Allen, a pewter cast here live on the Evolution of Sports Talk Television. It's the Sports Web Pro Football Edition. I'm your host, Peter Blake. Uh, once again, open phone lines. If you have a question for Brent Allen, 727-255-0391. It's 727-255-0391. You know, 31 catches last year. He's definitely got to improve in that area of pass protection. We've talked about that, and it almost certainly seems like, you know, just listening to Jones and 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 seeing what Brady has done in the last three years that you would think that the ball may be going to more of running backs. Tell you what, let's hold that thought. Let's go out to the phone lines. Matt Colson from Oklahoma City, your second call here on the Sports Web. What's on your mind? You're on with Brent Allen. Hey, I was uh, listening to your thing about uh, Rojo. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that <clears throat> he, he brought it up about the uh, passing all the time? Sure. Uh, we're not going to be doing that this year. I, I don't I don't anticipate it. And I feel like if you have that offense that's always passing, look, there's two things that happen. Number one, you become one-dimensional, which is what you don't want to do. You want the defense to account for you. Number two, if you can be balanced, you take the pressure off of your passing game, which in turn, you're not really sure what that offensive line is going to be, uh, how good they're going to be, right? 47 sacks, you've got a 43-year-old quarterback, so if you can run the ball, you alleviate those opportunities to have that big hit. Knock on wood, you don't want it to happen with Tom Brady in an injury, but if you have the if you're running the ball and you're keeping a balance like Brent said 20 to 25 times a game, then you don't necessarily have to pass. And I tell you right now, if you're in the lead, you want to run the ball. You don't want exactly. to pass the ball. That's right. been killing us and that's what gave Winston all these gaudy statistics was the fact that he said it just a second ago. We were always behind. 20 points in the second quarter. We're behind. Sure, and you're, sure. you're playing. You're starting the third quarter off with a defense that hadn't got off the field four times in a half. Yeah. So it's all of that dynamic has to change. But I think just by default, if we're playing formula football, even if it's just any running back, his, his statistics are going to go up because we're not going to be behind, theoretically. Mm-hmm. And so – it could have been Peyton Barber. I mean, I hate to say this, but Peyton Barber could have been the running back. If you're giving it to him 20 times, you're still running the ball 20 times a game, which we're not doing right now. So <clears throat> I think that uh, math equation that you have to have in your balance mm-hmm. is going to be better this year, regardless of who the running back is. And if Rojo doesn't manage to make it work with that kind of level, he's, he's got the advantage now with a quarterback that knows how to get rid of the ball and what have you right he should improve if he doesn't then we need a running back and uh well i i I think it maybe 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 it's not necessarily just a running back it's also the offensive line opening up those consistent holes and then it's also an attitude right i mean is it on bruce arians is it on byron leftwich does tom brady get in the ears of those coaches and say look we can't be throwing the ball you know, 41 times. That was the average last year. You throw the ball 41 times. You look at Winston statistics. If you get into that sweet spot, it's 29 to 32 times. And then once you get past that threshold, then you start to have some problems. But once again, Tom Brady is coming into a new offense. He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, although it's been shown that new quarterbacks do throw a lot of interceptions. So I almost feel like you trust Tom Brady. He's going to definitely cut down on those turnovers. But once again, you also have to take the pressure off of him because you don't want to become one-dimensional. You want to become as dynamic and as balanced as you can. And I feel like what, when no matter what anybody says about the NFL and the offense, when they say it's a passing league, 
That's all well and good. But at the end of the day, the great teams, and you can comment on this, Brent, uh, that are in the playoffs. You look at the San Francisco 49ers, the Tennessee Titans. What did they do? Did they pass the ball all over the lot? No. They ran the ball. They played good defense. You could still win with that formula, and I still think you have to have some semblance of a running game, whether it's the screen game or short passing game that's like a running game. You still have to have uh, that, that facet in your offense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like I said, it, it's it's a simple statistic to me, made a lot of sense to me. When you go back and you look at when the last time it worked for the Bucks, which was Doug Martin 2016, maybe 2017, mm-hmm. somewhere around there, yep. and even the year before, um, 20 times a game, that guy got the ball. You also had a second, a second uh, running back around and even a third running back. You're really looking at 25 to 30 touches per game to the running back unit and you play about what 60 snaps on each side of the ball during a game is, Mm. is I think about average. So you look, that's a 50% half and half rate. That's exactly where you want to be. And when it starts getting below that, that's going to be an issue. I got to tell you, I'm so confident in this. I'm actually worried about something. I'm worried about Mike Evans. And you know why I'm worried about Mike Evans? Because he has something going on right now. Currently, he is tied with only one other player in NFL league history for having consecutive thousand yard seasons in his first now six seasons. Yep. Six or seven. I think six seasons. Six seasons. Yeah. Going into his seventh season. If he gets a thousand yards this season, he will be the only person in league history who holds this record. The other guy right now is Randy Moss that he's with. I am concerned with as many people as we have across the board uh, to uh, spread the ball around to plus running back plus a Tom Brady quarterback who knows how to hand that ball off. And he tosses it a lot into the backfield, uh, at least to that running back with wherever he is. I'm slightly concerned. And by concerned, I just mean I'm not losing sleep over it, but Right. I, I would love to see Mike have that record. By the way, Jameis would also love to see Mike have that record, and Jameis would force feed Mike the ball in order to get him that record. Tom Brady won't. Tom Brady, if it happens, it happens great. Tom Brady will not do that. So I, concerned, worried, that's that's a slight term. But I say all that just to say I think we're going to see an improved run game, partly because of Brady, hopefully because the offensive line is going there mostly because of the work Rojo is putting in. I think he's going to do well. Well, I hope so. I think Evans is going to probably be happier with a Super Bowl win and maybe yeah. an MVP of a game mm-hmm. in, the, in the playoffs than he would be with the uh, Randy Moss record, although that is something he'd probably want to shoot for. Of course. I just don't think there's enough guys to pass the ball to for the number. For everybody to get a thousand yards. Well, I mean, who's to say that this offense is not balanced? Let's say they're not balanced and they wanted to throw the ball all over the place. What defense Mm -hmm. is going to be able to stop them? I get it. You know, there's questions about the offensive line, but I'm looking at this, Brent and and Matt, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. We've gone through this and I don't see a defense. You know, maybe Baltimore, you know, the Saints, uh, Janoris Jenkins on that side. I'll take that matchup. You want to double on Evans? I'll take Godwin. You want to double on Godwin? I'll take Evans because you know why? I've got Janoris Jenkins on the other side. And here's what I know about Mr. Jenkins. He was roasted and toasted <laughs> last year for 180 yards and three touchdowns by Mike Evans. 
So for me, it's a defense, it's a defensive nightmare. And then on top of it, you have a quarterback that you feel like, you know, with all the throws that Jameis Winston could make, here's what you know about Tom Brady. He's going to take uh, what you give him. So there's somebody that's going to be open. And if you try Absolutely. to blitz them, you have one-on-one coverage with somebody. So that's a good problem to have in my you know, You know, Peter, I want to push back on that a little bit, though. Okay. Because I've heard a lot of people saying, who are you going to cover? Who are you going to cover? Well, you know, just a few years ago, I remember a team that featured Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Cameron Bray, OJ Howard. And we all said the exact same thing then. That's Who fair. are you going to cover? There's so <laughs> many people out there. Who are you going to cover? And that was the year that Jameis got suspended for like half the season and stuff like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And you know what? The other teams didn't really have a problem with it that season if memory comes to serve. So I'm just saying, I know a lot of people are saying that. History tells me, I'm like, yeah, I agree. That's a good in theory. I got to see if this is going to work out because I, I, I want to be able to echo that again this year. I just want it to work out. Yeah, no, and you, when you say that, who you're going to cover, it sounds like you're doing a wrestling promo. I, I sound like the same thing. <laughs> yeah. What you going to do, brother? What are you going to do? Who you going to – I went, I mean, I went on podcast after podcast going, who are you going to cover? You ain't going to be able to stop us. We're going to throw the ball around. We're going to run up 60 yeah. points on everybody every single game. What right. are you going to do? <laughs> and, you, yeah, I think that season we wound up, you know, 5-11. and 11. Yeah. Well, you yeah. had half Ugh. the year with Fitz, and you had half the year with Jameis and Dirk. Yeah. In the game, yeah. Dirk didn't even care. So yeah, well, you the first receiver that was supposed to be a five-star receiver in, sure. in uh, Jackson, he cut out. He took half the plays off. Yeah, and he didn't participate. So you didn't really have the full dynamic. That won't happen with Brady in the huddle. No, no, He's that won't happen. That's a fair point. That's a fair point because Brady Brady will sit Deshaun Jackson's ass down if that's happening and yeah. if he sees that well, happening. He did that to Ocho Cinco when he came to New New England. Yeah. Everybody thought he was going to rebuild his career up there in uh -huh. the Super Bowl ring. And by the third time, third game, he didn't exist. He mm -hmm. wasn't running his routes correctly. And Brady just said, screw it. You can run all day, but you're not going to see the ball. And he didn't. And Ocho was gone quickly after that. Quickly after Absolutely. That. And that's why I say I go back to this when people say, well, you know, it's Donovan Smith that Donovan Smith doesn't perform. Tom Brady's going to let him know about it. He's going to get in up to his in his grill. He'll let him know. And if these guys are not. And look, we know that, you know, Evans has kind of given up on some routes. He's even admitted to it. Uh, so these wide receivers, they have to be professionals. And it, look, they may be an all of Brady, but they're going to have to definitely do their part because at the end of the day, you don't want an angry Tom Brady in your face. You just don't want it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't I don't want it. I saw how angry he got in Ted, too. I've seen, you know, the uh, – and it was funny. We've got <laughs> to watch that again. It's funny. But you see how angry he gets, and he's passionate about it. He wants to win, and it's LFG for him at all times. All points of the day. He is that competitor. He is that that fury competitor that will do anything and everything to win. Uh, maybe some people don't necessarily agree with it. I don't necessarily think that's all him. I think that's the organization. Uh, but that's how he is. That's his mindset, and he's going to do everything he can. He even said this in his presser to be the best quarterback that he feels like these players deserve. You so. know what I like about Tom Brady? One of the things, and and he reminds me of Tiger Woods a lot. Mm -hmm. Tiger Woods is a guy who goes out and plays, you know, the masters. Right. And then he goes out and the, like six o'clock the next morning, he's out doing putting practice. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? 
you're in the middle of playing the master. He's like, yeah, but I had a shot on hole nine the other day that I didn't like. So I'm out here working on it. And I'm like, that is a guy who is determined at all cost to be the best there ever was. Uh, I'm sorry, here, let me pull out the wrestling. The best there ever was, what? what, The best best there ever is, the best there ever was, and the best there ever will be. He's that kind of guy. And Tom Brady's like that. Like he's going to go out and as you say, he's going to demand the best of himself and the best of everyone around him. And that can be infectious and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, cause I think the guys are, are buying into it. At least I hope they are. Matt, we got Johnny on hold. Anything else? No, Johnny probably wants to come in and critique my call. So that's all right, Matt, you can always call back. Thanks a lot for the call here on the sports web. All right, boss. All right, Peter. All right. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I thought we had Johnny Dean on the line. Johnny Dean call back. Tell you what, Brent, we got to read these comments from the webheads. I mean, they've yeah. been blowing it up tonight here. Uh, let's go, Bucks, says Eric. Uh, what's up, YouTubers? Best virtual edits video. Hello, NFL edition. Breaking news. Of course, that was Everson Griffin to the Cowboys. What do you think of that move? Eight sacks last year gives them another player on the other side of uh, Demarcus Lawrence. And it certainly seems like the Cowboys – we talk about it every year, Brent. They have the talent. They have three wide receivers. Who are you going to cover? C.D. Lamb, uh, Amari Cooper. Um, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. Let's get back to that. Let's go out to Curtis from Newport Ritchie. You're on with Brent Allen on the Sports Web. What's on your what's mind? Up, Curtis? I, what's going on, guys? I, I have one comment about the whole Sure. who can you guard, Deshaun Jackson, and mm-hmm. all that crap. Okay. Oh, that crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to say this. <laughs> go ahead. That offensive line was effing terrible that year. Uh, yes, it was. Was that the oh. offensive line that had the, the greatness of Caleb Beninock at right guard? A- absolutely. Okay, I'm good with that. I, I'll I'll say that Alex Kappa, I'll say that Brent Allen at right guard would be be, be better than Caleb Beninock. Just put that now, out there. Now, here is what people also fit, what people are forgetting about the X factor this year is not only do we have Tom Brady, but he also brings that fear factor. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's people. Um, listen, as much as I, I still love Jameis Winston, but people weren't afraid of Jameis Winston. No, people are people are afraid of Tom Brady. Right. Like th- this guy's a living legend. Like when he walks into the room, like he demands everybody's attention. Well, ask Mr. Uh, Gerald McCoy, who said, "I'm sorry, Mr. Brady," in a preseason game. I mean, it definitely yeah. commanded his uh, attention. And, and and then you add drunk. <laughs> right. And then you add drunk. Like, are you serious right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is like, who can you guard on another level? Yeah. But the thing about it is, is when Brady takes his shots, they're going to be cold and calculated yep. because he, he wants to shred you up. That's what he wants to do. He's not going to go out there and be just taking shots like James Winston. No, no, he's definitely going to be calculated. Uh, he's going to take what they give him. And he's also, look, he may take some, uh, some risk because it is no risk it, no biscuit. Because he believes in those wide receivers, but look, two of those top wide receivers are top five. Okay, and, and there's a reason for that. So if he throws it and up there and he has the confidence in the Mike Evans to go and get it, we know more times than not Evans is going to go and get it. Well, well, not only that, but OJ <laughs> Howard has the talent to be a top five tight end. Sure, and, and you kind of and, and, and if and if Gronk is half as anything, half as good as he used to be. Well, I mean, what what do you think is going to happen? Right. I, I would think that some of that uh, being a professional tight end would rub off on an O.J. Howard. I think he's going to be motivated. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. 
Brent, he has a lot to prove. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, there's not much you can tell me about Gronk and the word professional in the same sentence. Uh, <laughs> those who just don't tend to go. But I, I, I mean, look, Gronk's a future Hall of Famer. He's going to go down. And, and I don't know that he's the best tight end we've ever seen, but he is definitely up there with one of them that we've ever seen. And he's a personality all into himself. And, and look, you're right. Look, here's the difference Tom Brady is a guy who can go into halftime down three to 28 and still come out and win the game. Yep. And he knows he can do it. Jameis Winston is a guy who you kind of go, I hope he could do it. Oh, like, <laughs> he has the potential. He has the, we'll, we'll see what happens. But Tom Brady's going to stay cool. He's going to stay calm. He's going to stay collected. And then he's going to go watch it later and tweet about it and be like, Hey, hey, hey guess what's about to happen? Oh yeah. You know, Jameis won't do that. <laughs> Give a, I want to give a message to LaShawn McCoy because, yes. like, I, I love him. I love that we signed him, and I feel like he could teach our young running backs a couple things. Yeah. Uh, sir, if you run with one hand on the ball and you fumble the ball, Tom Brady is going to destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a big-time worry, right? The fumbles, Brent. <laughs> he will, it, it, he's going to do it. It will happen, and Tom Brady is going to destroy him. And, look, LaShawn McCoy – is an old dog with a lot of old tricks and it's kind of the way he's always ran. I got to tell you, I used to, I used to draft LaShawn McCoy every single year in fantasy and he got me a lot of points, right? a lot of points. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to downplay that guy any way, shape or form. He knows where he is in his career right now. He's probably not changing, but if he don't change, it's kind of like Brady ain't going to give him the ball. You know, like if Brady don't trust him, Brady ain't giving him the ball, period. And uh, I'm actually uh, Ronald Jones. I heard Peter talking about Ronald Jones. I'm actually uh, I was actually impressed with Ronald Jones last yeah. year. And I think he uh, I think he's ready to take a step forward. I do, too. He just, he just has to, you know, like you he's know, a uh, victim. I, say it, Curtis. Everybody say it on this show right now. I feel like I'm Bubba the Love Sponge by saying say it, but I got to do it. A Go victim of volume. A victim yeah. of volume. That is what yeah. Jones is. They need to print a yeah. shirt up and just give me rights to it. I'll and, take it. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Ronald Jones. But, you know, I think me and Peter, we had this conversation. I was, I was like, in tears a couple of years ago when we didn't take Derwin James in the second round. Mm-hmm. Well, the I first round. You and everybody, man. You you and everybody else in Bucks world. He went in the second round. No, yeah. he went in the first round, but he went, uh, what was he, mid? He went mid first round because Buffalo and Tampa Bay made a trade. Yeah. Tampa Bay was at seven. And I actually, uh, I, I didn't I didn't mean to sh- I didn't mean Derwin James. I actually meant Minnesota's running back. Oh, Dalvin Cook. All right. We yes. gotta we we gotta go into that. We gotta dig that uh scab up I again. Just, I gotta tell you, I was never so glad when Dalvin Cook got drafted so that people could just stop talking about it. And they're still talking about it, Peter. Right. Well, because you look at the running back situation, and at the time, Doug Martin was having his issues off the field. So you weren't sure, and you heard the rumors that they were going to take him at 19, and certainly he was there, but you had O.J. Howard at the time. I felt like Dalvin Cook should have been the pick. I still feel like Dalvin Cook should have been the pick because I feel like if he had that running game when he's healthy, and that's a big if because he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but he was quite durable at Florida State. He was quite productive, and I feel like if you have that running back situation, once again, 
a running back can be the best friend of a quarterback. Look, it, look, I, look I want to talk about that pick though, okay. because that was totally a dirt cutter pick. Dirt cutter likes his two set tight ends. Dirt cutter. He had cam Brate, who let's face it as good as he was as great as chemistry as he had the, the second contract that he eventually earned, which was prior to, to, uh, well, the contract was post this particular moment we're talking about in history, but it was coming. That's all we really had at the time. Yeah. And Dirk Cutter looked at that and went, I value the tight end position. And by the way, OJ Howard, who, if I remember right, people were predicting him as in the, in the top 10. Yes. And he correct. fell yeah. and they got giddy and they said, let's go get him. Now. I, I don't know. I'm not privy to where Galvin cook was on their board. If, if OJ would have been gone, if it would have been cook, I think that was generally the consensus. Um, but you vow he valued that position more than he did the running back position. And this goes to show, I think the problem with drafting for a coach, and this is why the GM and the head coach positions have to be separate. Mm. Now you need input from your coaches. You need input from your people because you need to know how they're going to run them and what they're going to do but your GM is responsible for making a call that is in the best interest of the entire football team as they see it. And I'm still not sure that you could tell me even with OJ Howard falling that that was, you know, that, that first pick, especially it's always this weird amalgam of best player available versus team need. Mm -hmm. It's not just one or the other. And that, that was a, a situation where I really think the head coach pulled that you know made that pick and i just i hope oj works out he's in his fourth year right now i hope he works out to date he hasn't yeah he, he has he hasn't been worthy of a number 19 pick he, just no, hasn't. he hasn't been worthy of it uh he definitely had a disappointing year uh last year and, and like you said he was the you know, potential top and 10 who did, pick who did we take in a second round that year uh the second round he took a guy by the name of justin evans who has not also mm. Worked out the last time he was on the football field, he was intercepting Tom Brady. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I Look, if you don't get him in the first round, can you trade up in the second round and get yourself a running back or at least draft one? Because in the same draft, you had, what, an Alvin Kamara? You had a Kareem Hunt? You had other running backs that you could have taken, and you took a guy in the fifth round who didn't know his playbook and, uh, and that you didn't. Oh yeah! Oh, that guy! Oh, that was the McNichols draft, wasn't McNichols, it? McNichols. Yep. Oh, McSnoop Dog. Yes, yep. that's what he's been known for. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the the last the last thing I want to say is uh, for all my Bucks fans who who are worried about our defense. Sure. I want I want y'all to understand that. Don't worry about this defense. And I've done a little bit of research on it, but you could do. I want I want people to do it themselves. Okay. If you go back and you look at Todd Bowles. Everywhere Todd Bowles has been, from Arizona to the Jets, and I know the Jets suck, but their, second, <laughs> their secondary has almost pretty much ranked in the top ten. Okay, and that was in Arizona and in uh in New York. Is that the second year of progression? Of course, it's not the, the first second, year. Yes, second the year. Second yes, the second year of progression makes sense because I remember when uh, he went to the Jets. The Jets, I think it was the second year. They signed Morris Claiborne from Dallas. And I'm like, why the hell would they sign Morris Claiborne? Right. And, uh, and another he, player, by the way, in draft history that was associated with the Bucks, And they yep. decided to trade down with the Jaguars or to try. Excuse me. They decided to trade down with the Cowboys. Cowboys traded up and got him. Go ahead. And he 
you know, he he really wasn't that. I mean, he was he was all right. He wasn't that talented for Dallas, and they let him correct, go. Correct. And he and he went to, he went to the Jets, and he had a he had a couple good seasons with the Jets. And you know, like I, I believe it's Todd Bowles, and you know, just you know, with those young kids, we saw the progression of those young kids in the secondary last year. Yeah, no, because yeah, they that, were. You know, anybody who's a real sports fan, a real Bucks fan, or whatever you decide to call yourself, you saw how raw those kids were at the beginning of the year, and then they were. It just like the it's like the light bulb came on. Yep, the lights turned on, and then all- and you know what's you know what's great about that though, yeah, is they told us. Bruce Arians told us, look, this defense is going to take till about game eight for everybody to get it. And that's what happened because you know who else told us that Mike Smith said (laughs) the same thing. It's going to take about half the season to get everybody in. Of course he had what, three years, three, four years. Um, and, and I mean, that was just, that was crazy. You imagine drafting a bunch of cornerbacks. The next coach comes in and looks at those guys and goes, yeah, you got one good one. We got to redo this right now. That's that's like Peter right now, you know, and I will never forget Peter saying, "Well, what's going to happen when JPP comes back?" And look what happened as soon as he came back. Yep, the first drive against the Titans, he galvanized that defense. The first three snaps, he was uh, he was everyone's like, "Is he going to play this year?" I'm like, "He's going to play." There's somehow this guy is play and he's going to make an impact because he's just he's just a guy that gets it done mm -hmm. and 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 don't discount don't discount the added the the addition by subtraction when they took out uh, vernon hargraves yep those two things bringing in jpp sitting and benching vernon hargraves and you might even say benching hargraves benching hargraves sent a, a, a loud clear message but it also uh uh I don't. Uh, it opened. You know, I can't up. say he was a cancer in the locker room. I can't say that. But well, it uh, took out. It took out a, a bad piece. Yeah, it took yeah. out a bad piece, and it took, took out a bad apple. Right, it took out a bad apple. Right, but it took yeah. out a player that was taking up valuable playing time for these young uh, studs that you want to get in there and get yeah. that necessary. He made uh, experience. He made two good plays in his Buccaneers career. That's it. He had a he had a pick six, and he stopped Christian McCaffrey on the goal line. That's it. That True. is. That, that's it. Honestly, that's all he that did. Is not, that is what that is not worth a number eleven pick in a draft. No, it's definitely not. And it's one of those picks that you know, Jason Light. A, a lot of Jason Light haters out there, and we'll talk about this next here, Brent. Uh, anything else, Curtis? Uh, uh, do you guys know if we resigned Kevin Minter? We yeah, did. you yeah. did. One you did year. Sign Kevin Minter. Listen, yes, I'm so glad because when Devin White went down, that guy. Yeah was all over the field. Mm-hmm. I know we got Levante David, and I know Levante, da- Levante David, who should be a all-pro, <laughs> pro bowl starter every year, snub yeah. every year. But Kevin Mentor was doing his thing last year. Yeah. Look, my, my co-host at the Pewtercast, Ren, says this about Kevin Mentor. He says, look, Devin White goes in, Kevin Mentor comes in, and you didn't miss a beat. He did the yeoman's work of filling in for Devin. And the only time you noticed Kevin Mentor was when Devin White came back and you saw how much of an upgrade Devin was over Kevin. Because you're like, hey, I'm cool with Kevin. Kevin's fine. And then Devin comes in and you're like, oh, my. That's nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kevin was cool until we saw what we were missing. You oh, know? Yeah. Uh, and, and no, Kevin Kevin is great in that particular role. You know, that that first off the bench kind of a, kind of a linebacking position. That's exactly what what is great about Kevin Mentor. I'm so glad he's back with the team. All right, anything else, Curtis? 
No, that's it, guys. I'll probably call you back in a little bit. I'm going to go put my baby in the bed. Yeah, put that baby in the bed. And uh, thanks a lot for calling the Evolution of Sports Talk Television. All right? All right, bro. All right, open phone line. I've seen Johnny Dean was calling in. 727-255-0391. It's 727-255-0391. It's the Sports Web Pro Football Edition. I'm your host, Peter Blake, along with Brent Allen of the Pewtercast. Go ahead and promote yourself uh, really quick. What you guys do in case they don't know here. Go for it. Yeah, so you guys, listen, you can find us out on uh, any podcasting platform out there that is available. We are the Pewtercast. That's all one word. You also can find us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel over there where we're putting up all our episodes over there as well, too. Uh, And listen, uh, season's coming up. And we've got four shows a week coming in during the season. We got a post game live call in show. We've got our our uh, midweek sort of uh, interview wrap up show with with people that you've you've you know and love and give you insight into what's going on with the team. We do uh, mailbag shows. We do weekend wrap up shows. Uh, listen, I am super excited for the season. I'm super excited to get into it, even though COVID and all that is going to change how we experience the season. I'm excited to get into it. So listen, you go subscribe, uh, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's at Apple, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, all those places. You guys get out there and, and go find us. Make sure you join uh, me and Ren at, out there. And and listen, there's a lot of great Bucks content out there. Get it all in. Yeah. Like, there's We have so, I mean, we are friends with everybody out here. And it's it's a good, it's like a party, Peter. You know what I mean? It's like a party of all of us content creators out here. And there's just so many great people. And uh, listen, you guys come hang out with us after the games and and uh, we'll let you call in. Yeah. And, and we'll be doing our, our post game edition. So, and we'll do, be doing phone calls and I got, we yeah, got, we'll duke it. We'll duke it out with you, Peter. We'll duke it out. Listen, listen, people can pull up multiple windows. Have you in one, have us in the other. We're good, man. We're good. <laughs> I know we might need to organize and like get like time slots for everybody, you know, just to help out our fans a little bit more. Oh yeah. I mean, it's going to be wall to wall calls. I feel like whether they lose or they win with Tom Brady and Gronkowski and all the expectations this year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's go. And I got to tell you this. I, 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 and I, I 100% believe this, and I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm just trying to say how much better we do it. The phone calls that people will get to put into our shows, and I say shows plural mm-hmm. to everybody who does the call-in shows and do post-game shows, you are going to get more say. You're going to get better analysis, and you're going to get you're not going to get cut off like happens with other more, shall we say, mainstream wow. post-game call-in shows. That, that might be a little more local. Plus, we're also not going to break for ads every two and a half minutes either. <laughs> and we're not going to cut you off and call you stupid and tell you how dumb you are. I mean, we might do that, but generally we're not. So I say pick, ma- make your choice of where you really want to spend your post-game time partying with fellow Bucks fans because uh, I got to tell you, this is the place to be. Absolutely. This is definitely the place to be here live on the sports web, the evolution of sports talk television on Bucks Report. Join the 65,000 following we have here on Facebook, of course, live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and a part of the Landry Football Network, the Chris Landry Twitch channel. And of course, I'll boo you here. Here we go. And if you you have a point that I don't like either, I'll do this to you. But we play this when you definitely have a great call. There you go. Fire those cannons. Let's go out to the webheads here. Talk to these guys. Uh, Ray's having a – oh, very nice. Okay, I see. (laughs) 
Ray's having a great game tonight. Best virtual edits video. Oh, my God. The Cowboys continue to be a sneaky team. We were talking about that. Everson Griffin, uh, they get him as a defensive end. I mean, they have talent. Uh, do you feel like they're going to be the favorite in that NFC East, or are they going to do what they always do in November and December, and that's choke? Uh, I think they're always going to do what they do in November and December, and they're going to choke. Mm. Ever, you know, he's got eight sacks and whatever. I'm sorry, that's that's good, but it's middle of the road to me. I mean, when I'm looking at at the sack leader, Shaq Barrett, and I'm looking at JPP coming in, damn near getting 10 or, or did he get to whatever he got last year with only half the season? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, listen, we had a, Eight, uh, yeah. shade, you ready? Yeah. We had a, we had a defensive tackle around this team for the last nine years who would get eight and a half tackle or eight and a half sacks a year. And eh, meh, <laughs> meh, 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 meh. I still, uh, Sue made more plays than McCoy has. I, whole career i mean it's not even close Look, mccoy will probably wind up with his name in the ring of honor at some point so i mean probably really won't that. not for tampa bay that's legitimate do you think that's really legitimate to have mccoy in the ring of honor over over a james wilder because we talked to no Rick. absolutely not no no it is it is it is criminal absolutely get james wild jr on the phone right now it is criminal that james wilder is not in the ring of honor right now Already, you look up that ring of honor, and we've got how many people? There's only 13 people, and five of them, five are not even players. Yeah, yeah, not even players, and there's only 13 of them up there. I, and I, James Wilder isn't up there. Are you kidding me, Peter? I I don't understand. Are it. you kidding me, Glazers? Uh, Rick, are you kidding me, Ricky? Get Red him in there. Ricky Reynolds said on Thursday night, last Thursday night, he wants to put James Wilder in the ring of honor. That's all I need to know. He and said, we need to backdate him about six years. Right. I mean, Rich McKay, I get it. He wasn't a coach, but would you not say he was an important piece of that whole turnaround from the Bucks? I mean, yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. But when you're talking about the ring of honor and you're only putting in one person, okay, maybe two people a year mm -hmm. and, and you only have 13 people and seven of them are players. The others aren't. <laughs> or, or you know what I mean? Yeah. A quarter of your people in your ring of honor are not players. There's, a, I have a problem with that. Yeah. And look, I understand the Buccaneers. Honestly, we don't have a ton of people outside of that 2002 team that you can put up there. James Wilder is one of them. Did Hugh Coverhouse make the ring of honor? Uh, he no, but he made the the whatever it was in the old stadium. Oh, and the old sombrero. He was he was one of those up there. Hugh, Hugh Holbrook needs to keep his name off the off. The, we, we don't need to put him up there. I don't know how. I understand Malcolm. I understand Malcolm. I understand Gruden. I definitely understand the appeal of Dungy. I I get Monty Kiffin as an idea. Mm -hmm. I really do. But Monty Kiffin in there as a defensive coordinator, I get the contribution he made. I get the contribution Rich McKay made. But when you got guys like James Wilder who are not in yet. Yeah, I, that's I, wrong. I, it's I, I just agree. wrong. Yeah, I agree. I there's you're you're preaching to the choir. Uh, great win for the Bolts last night. Uh, what's up, Joshua and Johnny? David says, "Let's go, Bucks! Fire them cannons!" Here we go. All right, goal raise. Bolts and Bucks says Rob. Uh, Eric says, uh, "Hi, Rob." Hey, Eric. Everybody's saying hi to each other. Rays destroy uh, Boston right now. 
Uh, let's go. Matt says no fans in the Superdome for the Saints home opener. That yeah, all that weird. Yeah, let's get back to that in a moment. Yeah, uh, crazy overtime last night. Rob says Saints just lost a major advantage. Rob says uh, shared uh, publicly on Facebook. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Nola says no to spectators, but the Bucks will have twenty five percent seating in Ray J. No dome, no COVID. Uh, this is BS. I don't know what that's all about. Of course, Peter reads my comments. I definitely try to. Good for Tampa Bay management. Uh, Rob says 25% is better than zero. Christopher Cole here. Hey, what's up, guys? Rob, again, uh, 25% should be Bucks fans only. Mm-hmm. Uh, best virtual edits video. Where were you? Matt says, true, but I won't be there. Nobody has a clue what's safe or not yet. It is crazy. Uh, let's see. I was watching on Facebook, the audible Rob, and, and by the way, the audible, uh, by Joshua Cole Allen tonight at set or it was tonight at seven 30 did a great job earlier here live on box report, his new time. I'm with Brady about fear itself. Uh, the deck bar and grill at, uh, Issa de soul, uh, Joshua, ah, who laugh out loud. What is your real identity? Uh, what I don't understand is why the NFL hasn't passed a uniform COVID policy. We kind of talked about that. Can get into that in a little bit. Once again, Cowboys need youth. That is an old D-line. Laugh out loud. Rob says, I lay my life in God's hands, but I respect your position. Uh, NFL in the union, he says. Uh, NCAA has a lot more teams to organize. Johnny Dean says, hey, guys, where's the rest of the YouTube crew? Tampa Bay has been on hiatus. Dylan is usually late, but where? is Beef Tongue and the others. We had a, a guy by the other night that was name was Beef Tongue who was in here. One good thing for the Bucks is RJS is usually at 25% capacity anyway, so it won't affect them <laughs> like other teams. Once again, Ben Cornette trolling uh, at Thousand Las Vegas. Yashas, bring your passion. Go Bucks. Rob, bingo, Mr. Landry. Well said, follow the money politics aside. That was a comma before. Shoot, I'll swap some uh, noses for way less. Uh, yep, the small schools that have volleyball, cross-country, soccer, etc., get funded by the money the football teams bring in when they play the Alabamas, Clemsons, Notre Dames every year, so it would hurt them big time. Um, here, Johnny says, uh, you got this, Christopher Cole. Hey, Peter, I like the color of shirt. Heck, I like all of the colors. Thank you very much. Uh, laundry says Shooter and Stash. I don't know what that's all about. Laundry or Landry. I think he's saying Landry. I always felt the college football was more pure because players were playing for their future and school pride. Is that not the case anymore? I would think players would immediately lose any bigger purpose if they got paid to play. We can talk about that. Uh Uh, Johnny Dean asking the hard-hitting questions. Mike says NCAA is just greedy like every other big corporation. Chris Landry just called the NCAA a cartel. Oh, my. Uh, Demand for power is always greater than the need for power. Good stuff, Rob. Thanks a lot for tuning in. A league survival was a thing back then, but the society is now a cancel culture. Not on this show. We won't cancel you, I promise you, uh, unless you piss me off, and then I'll just do this to you. That's it. Uh, Preach it, brother. Landry, awesome stuff. Chris Matt says, we will be having high school football here in Oklahoma as far as I know this year. Johnny Dean, go look over the numbers they received from the football programs. Ben Cornett, I think you may be shocked by how little is actually funneled from it. The schools do, in fact, get some funding through t- them, but the majority of them get more from the state of federal funding itself. Football and the power conferences receive around three to four of school funding. 
was that Tom from Tampa that called? It was not. Uh, I believe it was Todd from St. Pete. The guy said he was in St. Pete. That was not Tom Brady, guys. Uh, that would be an unbelievable interview, by the way. So if it wasn't Tom Brady, it wasn't apparently not, but maybe so, Rob, uh, I don't know, thinking. Shooter and stash, I try, sir, but it's not an easy thing to get a lesson from Chris Landry. You can't go with the dumb questions for sure. Matt says, Eddie George, that turned out to be a decent pick, I think, laugh out loud. I mean, Eddie George is, uh, what is he, a Hall of Famer now? Is he a Hall of Famer? I think he is. Uh, French would be Ladam. Beef Tongue is here. Johnny Dean, why would you preface Dam with that? Uh, was that Tom Brady that called 10 minutes ago? It was not, guys. Ha ha. Uh, Johnny Dean, no, I think it was the guy in St. Pete who does college football at Beef Tongue. Curtis is on my top five caller list. Curtis is a fantastic caller. Uh, Beef Tongue, again, I thought I heard Tom Brady talking. Oh, well. Matt Colson, you know where the N on Nebraska's helmet stands for? Knowledge. Johnny Dean, who knows? It could have been with Landry on the air. Anything is possible. Matt, Mike Allstott was a low runner. You never saw his jersey numbers coming at you, but you did see his numbers on his pad. Uh, Allstott, uh, not Alston. I know what you meant. Uh, Brent Allen is great. Uh, we got a lot of love for you too, Brent. Christopher Cole Boston just scored five runs in the eighth, but the Rays just hit a home run in the ninth, making it nine to five Rays. Rays win. There you go. Rowdies win. Okay, laugh out loud. Can everybody win? MyCannabisCard.com, of course. One of the official or the official sponsor of the Sports Web Live here on Bucks Report. For all your medical marijuana needs, it's MyCannabisCard.com. Once again, MyCannabisCard.com. And tell them the Sports Web and Peter Blake sent you. There you go. Good stuff. Uh, could you... Eric says, in Madden, they make it so shady. McCoy automatically carries the ball with one hand no matter what. Ha ha. I was like, wait, WTF. Hey, Peter H. Blake, what's going on? Jason, nine shares. Excellent. Okay, hit or miss. This is a uh, definite make or break year. Uh, or rather, uh, OJ, Johnny Dean says, did I miss anything? Had to take my dog out. Well, that's always a, a good thing to do. I do that before the show. That's Alexander in the back. He doesn't say anything at night. Just got here, Johnny Dean. Uh, we're talking about picks. We're talking about anything you want to talk about. 727-255-0391 and 727-255-0391. JPP is a beast. Hold up, Johnny. We'll go out to you in a moment. Want to read all these comments, and then we will get back to it. Thank you, Brent, for being patient. You're going to be all pro this year. Uh, Pewtercast, I'll be there. Hey, guys. Uh, let's see. Power Buck Hour. Laugh out loud. Johnny Dean. Uh, once again. Hey, Dylan Casey knew you would make it. Let's see. McCoy doesn't deserve the ring of honor, says Jason. Uh, our entire O2 defense should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Auction of Champions, another sponsor here of Bucks Report. And Chris Worthen. Hi. Welcome to the evolution of sports talk television. Uh, no, there is an open phone line, four more open phone lines, but let's go out to Johnny Dean, the professor. Welcome back to the evolution of Sports Talk Television. You're on with yours truly along with Brent Allen of the Pewtercast. Go ahead, my friend. Okay, maybe I won't have to take the dog out this time. <laughs> no, that's good. You know, uh, I, 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 you got to do that before the show, my friend. That's what I do with Alexander. That's why he Put a doggy door in, man. Call it good. Yeah. That's it. I can't let him run around this living room because my studio is here. And if that dog runs around, he's knocking over not only the camera, but also the lights. So I leave everything up. I, I take my dog outside, play with him, uh, feed him, 
Put him to sleep so he doesn't interrupt the sports web. Go ahead. Okay, Brent Allen. This yep. is going to go way back to when you first got on the show because I don't even know what you guys were talking about in between. But <laughs> you were saying that uh, you were worried about Evans getting that 1,000 yards. Yeah. And uh, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that because the team is still built to throw the ball. 15 to 20 pat runs a, a game, pure runs is what I'm talking about, pure runs, is is the the average, and I think that's around where Arians is going to want to keep this at. Now, as far as Rojo, he's going to, he, I think he's going to get a lot of all-purpose yards. That's that's what they've been working on is his catching and running out of the screen and stuff. So, I well, I believe that's what they're working on. I think that's what Brady's comments about him getting low and stuff and acting like he's already got the ball when he's running. So, yeah, I mean, here's here's the thing. Uh, for me, I know I said the word worried. I don't have a better word for it, but worry isn't the real answer. Quite frankly, I don't really care that much, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> and, and at the same time, even for teams that that have a 50-50 run pass split, a lot of teams still have a thousand yard receiver. And Mike Evans certainly could be that. We just have so many people that are options, but it's possible Mike could get it. Somebody said, look, we put a ring on, on Mike Evans' finger. We get him to the playoffs. He ain't going to care. And I, I wholly agree with that. I would be surprised, though, if we only saw a 15 to 20 uh, run game, uh, 15 to 20 snaps were, were run plays and everything else. I like your point about this team is still built to pass. I think that's true. I would still like, I mean, just, just pure metrics. I would like to see... If we don't go 30, okay, let's say 25, you know, maybe weighted a little bit heavier towards the passing, but I'd still like to see that just based on history and how things work. But again, we get to the end of the season and we're 12 and four and we're in the playoffs and we're making a run at the, the NFC championship into the Super Bowl itself. I ain't gonna worry about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, I was, I think I talked about this last night on Peter's show though, but yeah, a tiger don't change his stripes, man. Brady, Threw 600 passes last year. He he's he he's, he wants to pass and he wants a deep he wants a deep target. Sure, yeah. Evans is one of the reasons he came here. That's that's mm-hmm. that's obvious by the way he acted last year, want, wanting a deep threat and not getting it right. Right. Okay. And and th- he came here for the passing game. That's why he came here. He came and Bruce Arians, his 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 uh, offensives have always averaged between 15 and 20 runs. Pure runs. I'm not saying that they're not going to use the running backs in 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 the screen plays and the short passing and stuff like that. Those are like first downs. And with Rojo, you can turn a first down into a touchdown in a heartbeat. You know, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to work on that a lot. But as far as pure runs, I, I still see it being between 15 and 20 runs a game. I see Evans. Oh, I saw a, a list, which I don't usually pay attention to, because, but because Mike Evans was in this list, I paid attention to it. it. It had him as one of the top five receivers in um, contested balls. You know, so that, that's also a good reason to see Evans gathering more yards because if you're going to, who are you going to trust in the end zone when you're throwing up a, a pass in, in a contested situation, you're going to throw it to Evans, right? He's still going to get those. I, I see him getting a thousand yards or more. I see us. I honestly see us with Evans and Godwin comp- competing for two, two, two 
thousand yard seasons again. I think it's I'm certainly possible. I think it's absolutely possible. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that was it, bud. All right, Johnny Dean. Up. Thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate you. All right. All right, open phone line, 727-255-0391 at 727-255-0391. It's the Sports Web Pro Football Edition. I'm your host, Peter Blake, along with Brent Allen of the PewterCast. It has been a busy night. We had Chris Landry before, lots of phone calls. Guys, this is your opportunity. And it's like Brent said, we're not going to play a 1,000 commercials about male enhancement. I get it. They got to do their job. They got to make money. We're not going to play those commercials. We're not going to interrupt. Uh, we're going to give you the opportunity to talk and say what you want to say, but definitely take the opportunity to say what you want to say because is this a radio show? Is it a TV show? It's both. It's the evolution of Sports Talk Television. 727-255-0391. It's 727-255-0391. Let's talk about MJ Stewart. He gets cut. Another second-round pick. A lot of people, once again, you know, fueling that fire, if you will, about Jason Light. But I always tell people, look, you can't be perfect as a general manager. He has missed on his fair share of first round, second round, you know, third round picks. But also, would you say, Brent, and I keep on asking people this, before he got here, this team is much more talented than uh, before he got here. I mean, it's just night and day. And I get it. He's missing out on some of those premium picks. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski wouldn't select this team unless they thought it was not only a playoff contender, but a Super Bowl one. Look, you 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 just said it. You can you can judge Jason Light all you want over his past six years, seven years in the league or with, or with Tampa Bay. But look at what he has done in seven years. And I will say this to everyone who wants to keep talking about fire Jason Light, fire Jason Light, fire Jason Light. Look at the roster he's put together. Look at the coaching staff he's brought in. Look, he, he went out and got the best freaking quarterback in the history of the NFL and brought him his favorite play thing along with him. Okay? Yeah. yeah. He did. All right? This is a guy. This is a great example, Peter, of what happens when you don't change over people all the time, when you allow them the chance to build something and to go through something. We talked earlier about what happens when you pick for a coach. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's going to happen. Every GM has to do it. They can't just pick for themselves all the time, every single time. I get it. But when you look at what Jason Light said, and I'll tell you what I like about Jason Light, and we saw this when they did Hard Knocks on HBO. He sat there and he said, I would, effectively, I would rather cut my cut my losses and get out when I know that it's not working than keep sticking my nose out there. And we've seen him do it. He reached for Roberto Aguayo. It didn't work out, and he cut him in training camp the second year. Vernon Hargraves, they gave that guy every single chance they could because he was a first-round pick, and it didn't work out, and they cut him. Yeah. Jameis Winston, the number one overall pick, and how many times do we hear people say, you don't survive if you miss on the over number one overall pick? And look, I will, I will say this, and I believe this in the core of my being from all of my sources that I have that are, inside the building actually that's not our quotes <laughs> that if they didn't bring in tom brady they would have offered Jameis winston a long-term deal i 100 believe that it's just tom brady became available and 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 chose to come that's all it was all yeah, right yeah but nevertheless Jameis winston didn't work out they they moved they upgraded they made an upgrade 
Okay. That when, when, uh, who else didn't work out when MJ Stewart didn't work out when Noah Spence didn't work out, we could go through the list of everybody that as soon as they could replace them, they did. I like that. He's not about his pride going, Oh, that was my pick. I got to protect him. Oh, if we let that person go, I'm going to look bad. Oh, if we do that, no, no. What's best for the team. And again, this is what happens when you're not changing your head coach every two to three years. All right. This is what happens when you're allowing your GM to stay in and continue to build something to leave some sort of continuity. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to die on this Hill. Now I'm not here to say that, that Jason light is the best GM in the history of the Buccaneers. I might've said that early in my podcasting career. <laughs> I do not say that. Now you can't be the best when you haven't won a super bowl and another guy did. Oh, great. All right. You can't do that. Now we won a super bowl this year we might start having conversations because the other thing I think we have to look at is what does, what is the shape of the team going to be the year after? Cause what did Rich McKay do? He leveraged our next decade to go win the one. And I got to tell you, I'm not necessarily opposed to doing that again, but that's what he did. He leveraged. And that's why everything blew up after, after, uh, you know, the super bowl, that's what happened with so many teams. It's what happened with the Eagles. It's what happened with the Rams. It's what's, it's what's happening with, with so many teams. They leverage their future to go win the one right now. And, uh, you know, I think if Tampa Bay goes in and win, we're still going to be in a pretty good spot here in the future of the, uh, for the team. So that's a good GM in my book and the door is not shut on Jason light. And I, I, I like him in Tampa. I really do. I like him too. And like I said, he's made his fair share of mistakes, but yep. once again, you know, you you have him as a general manager. You go out and trade for a JPP for a third round pick that has been an absolute steal. You go out and get a Shaq Barrett for one year. He turns out to be unbelievable. Yep. I mean, he's made some very, very good moves that have definitely helped this defense. You signed Adamic and Sue. People say, Oh no, don't sign Sue. He's a bad guy. And he's a he's a he's definitely uh not as good as Gerald McCoy. He was better for this defense. People say, Don't draft a Vita Vea. You need a defensive tackle instead of a safety. I get it. The love affair with Durbin James from Florida State. I'm a Florida State homer. But at the time, you need a Vita Vea. You can't get a defensive tackle, a guy that's that athletic. If you look at his statistics, pro football focus, who was the second leading guy with pressure on this team? Vita Vea. Yeah. I got to tell you, Peter, I'm not a draft guy. Mm -hmm. I don't don't enjoy the draft. I know a lot of people do. I do. I love it. One one of the things that drives me absolutely up a wall that I, I know people have explained it. I get what they're saying. I still just don't understand is this idea of grading people's drafts the next day. You can't do it. People haven't even put on pads yet. You can't can't judge a player until they're at least to their second contract to see what they've become, right? Because who's going to look at OJ Howard right now going into the final year of his rookie contract? Okay, yeah, he still has the option year, but whatever. And the final guaranteed year of his rookie contract and be like, yeah, he was an A-plus pick for the Buccaneers. (laughs) <laughs> Nobody would say that right now. No. Right? No. You can't judge these guys until like I said, at least till their second contract. And I got to tell you, I believe and I could be wrong, but I believe we're going to look back, we're going to look up in a year and a half and you're going to go who was better and who was a bigger impact for their team, Vita Vey or Derwin James? I think Vita Vey is going to be the guy. I definitely do. And I'll tell you why right now he has the opportunity in this defense to get after it. He's only going to get better because he's going to get more comfortable. And that's why I feel like everybody's overlooking it. And we, we're guilty of it, right? I mean, on this yeah. show, we talked offense, but really the, the Bucks do everything correctly. You re-sign a JPP, you get back a Sue, uh, you bring back a Shaq. 
Uh, and you have all that defense there. And then on top of it, they're going to have that much needed experience where this defense predominantly got better in the second half of the year being one and two and some of those categories. So I'm excited. Not only what did, what did, I'm sorry to cut you off, but what did Bruce Arians say repeatedly and people didn't listen to him because they were all concerned about the quarterback position. He said the number one priority is retaining our defense. Yep. Talk about the entire defense. The number one priority is getting our defense back, not the quarterback position. Yes, that's important. We'll figure that out. The number one priority is getting that defense back together and getting them to stay. And they did it. And they upgraded the, I mean, they upgraded the spots where they needed to upgrade the spots. And outside of that, right. That, who'd we lose? Nassib. Okay. That's, that's not a small loss. Anthony Nelson. I keep on getting on this train and we got to see, we got to see, we didn't, we didn't see him. We don't know what he can do yet. I mean, there's a lot of hope. He's, he's a Carl Nassib clone, right? Right. Right. But we've got to see if he can do it. If he can do it like Carl Nassib. Don't forget Carl Nassib was a was a surprise to most of us was a captain last year. Nah. That's a, that's a hard that's a hard replace. But still, uh I mean and you know fine Nassib went off to you know they didn't offer him the money or they didn't offer him as much money as he wanted, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But uh you know fine, he he's out. I, I am concerned about the the depth along the defensive line, particularly at the defensive end position. Once we get past JPP and Shaq, and we have a question mark in Anthony Nelson, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of hope in Anthony Nelson. You know what we're not going to have this year, Peter? What we're we're not going to have training camp to see how they're doing. Un- unless whatever the Buccaneers are doing, the video cast, if they're actually going to show us what's going on, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see what the organization actually does. I hope. I hope they actually let us watch training camp for what's really happening and not just putting a glossy spin on it, although I doubt it, and I don't blame them. It's their product. I'll tell you what. We'll get back to that in a moment. Let's go out to the phone lines. Welcome back to the – or welcome to the sports web. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, what's up, Peter and Brent? It's Chris. Hey, what's going on, Chris? How you doing? Chris. Hey, not much, man. I just wanted to jump in on this uh, conversation about Anthony Nelson. Absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, from what I see, he looks like, you know, um, a very good – run defender, but I'm not sure about pass rusher. Um, that's yet to be seen. And, uh, you know, one of the most important things for teams that go in Super Bowl runs is they have good rotation at that position. Correct. You've got to have good rotation. Yes. Yeah. I just think they're lacking. And if something happens, God forbid, you know, Shaq or JPP goes down for a few weeks, mm-hmm. I'm not really feeling comfortable with, Anthony Nelson playing majority of the snaps. Well, I'll tell you right but, now, yeah. go back, go back, guys, and watch him versus the Carolina Panthers and see what kind of havoc he can cause to Cam Newton. Watch that game. Watch the potential. It's right there. It's it's all right there in front of you. And, yeah. and I understand why the Bucks drafted him fourth round because he is a Carl Nassib clone, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he just doesn't have the production. You eight tackles last. Well, he was hurt. He was hurt most of last year. That that was his thing. All right. It's not that. It's not that. I'm saying Nelson is bad. I I I I understand what the caller is saying. Like like I just I'm not comfortable with it. The reason you're not comfortable is because you didn't see it. Right. He wasn't on the field because of injury. That's not his fault. But he just wasn't there. We haven't seen it. So all it is for me right now is this big question mark. I've seen the the tape. I know where he's been. I remember watching him in, in camp last year and being thoroughly impressed, but I got to see it. And, and Peter, we, you and I have been in this game long enough. Oh, yeah. We know I, I got to see it. Yeah. You right? got it on the field and yeah. got to see it. That could be a, a, that, that could be a question mark here, Chris, where look, 
You know, Clay Matthews is out there. Or do you feel comfortable with going with the Clay Matthews if he comes to I you would. like a LaShawn McCoy and it's a $1 million I mean, deal? Even, right. Even if you have to pay him a little bit more, I think, you know, he he had eight sacks last year. He knows sure. what he's doing. He's been to he knows how to make He knows how to get to the quarterback. Right. Eight tackles last year. He's not going to make the, right. the right. rookie mistakes or even, you know, a second-year mistake, uh, you know, mistakes that Anthony Nelson would make. Right. I just think. You know, we, we all thought Noah Spence had potential, and look what he it did. did to him. He did, but you know, the yeah. injuries caught up with him. You, you can't yeah. have shoulder injury over and over again being a pass rusher. You know, When you're a pass rusher, you got to yeah. use your hands. you got to be able to counter, and I'm not going to tell you about how to be a defensive man because I have no, no idea. I, I just know some of I the just, stuff that you yeah. have to have. You look at Shaq Barrett, what he does with his counter moves, You know, being strong with his hands, and if you're not – if you don't have your arms, if you don't have all your faculties at that juncture, I don't know how good you can be. You could see the potential was there, but when he got hurt, he was never the same player again. You saw him in college when he wasn't hurt. Uh, he was productive. Was it the system? Uh, I, I don't know what it was, but he didn't work out. He was a second-round pick, and i tell you right now, it certainly seems like, just listening to the coaches' comments and listening to Shaq, they want to see a kid like a, a Michael Divinity out of LSU. They want to see a Chappelle Russell. They want to see uh, players like this, a uh, Kazian Daniels. Maybe they got something. Maybe they know <laughs> something that we don't. That's the reason why uh, is, they make the football decisions, and we don't. Is Chappelle Russell actually going to play outside linebacker? Because I know he played inside linebacker at college. I mean, if he can rush the passer, I, I definitely think they can find a place for him. The way Todd Bowles blitzes and, and uses different linebackers. That, and That's true. But I, I think he can make uh, it work, buddy. You get after the passer, you either put your hand in the dirt or you stand up. If you're a rotational guy, if you can bring something to the party, I definitely believe that Todd Bowles and, and this defense can find it for him. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something, though. You're going to have a hell of a time getting JPP to come off the field and give up his spot to somebody else. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Shaq Barrett, with the clout that he has coming in after this year, <laughs> he also is going to have a hard time coming off the field. So, you know, unless an injury happens, I know, I know, you know, we want to think that these guys, that the coaches are going to go in and throw their weight around, but JPP doesn't want to come out. Let's face it, JPP is not coming out. Yeah, you know, and you want to be the coach to tell him to to, to run up and down his, his thing. No, and you're not going to. You're going to. And I know we know the type of coach Bruce Arians is and Todd Bowles. They'll let him play. You know, it's that old Rod Marinelli. You don't come off the field kind of a thing. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Look, and here's the thing about Anthony Nelson. All right, let's talk about a good thing. He he played. I've, I forget exactly how many games he played in. He only had eight tackles um, before he got hurt. But in that in that small time span that he played, he also had a pass deflected off the line. Yep, and he had a forced fumble. Like I'm, I'm really high on Anthony Nelson. No, I don't want you guys to hear me and think like I'm not. Hey, I think Anthony I, Nelson's I, I, bad. I'm part of the Anthony Nelson fan club. People are like, oh, you're you're a big. You must be related to Anthony Nelson. No, he's no. a round pick. He's out of Iowa. By the way, well coached, Kurt Ferentz. Hello. Uh, right. So, yeah, to me, I, I, I'm like Nelson and the potential that he can bring. Yeah, I think I think Nelson's there. So we got JPP, we got Shaq, we got Nelson. To me, that's where the question marks then come. That's where the drop off really occurs. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool until we get to Nelson. After that, that's when I'm like, eh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Michael Divinity. Look, Michael Divinity was one of the guys. I think it was uh, Carmen Vitali at, at Buccaneers.com said she's really excited to see what he can do. 
because everybody's buzzing about him. Sure. You know, Chappelle Russell's another guy. Yeah. Everybody's buzzing about uh, cousin Daniels, who is legally blind in one eye is, is a carryover from last year who stuck around and impressed enough to be able to come back and, and might make this squad again. And let me tell you what, when you got a squad that is coming off of no preseason games, right. Mm-hmm. And they're coming off. No, vir- virtually no off season. I feel sorry for the undrafted free agents and, and those rookies that are coming in right now, sure. because if you're the coach, are you going to go with the guy who's never played? Or are you can guy with the guy who's been around for a little bit. Yeah. And another of the player, limited look you're going to get from them. You're going with the guy who's been around for a little bit. And another player we interviewed here on the sports web that Joshua Cole Allen got uh, was Quentin Bell. Uh, you, yeah. You heard his name out there and he has experience. So, it may not seem like they have a lot there, Chris, and there may be a, a big-time question mark. They're going to figure this out, and if they figure that it's not going to work with the depth that they have, they certainly may sign a Clay Matthews. But a divinity out of LSU, look, I, I late, Jason Line has had a pretty good record with LSU defensive players, so who knows? He may have found As long it. as they stay out of car accidents. Yeah, stay out of, stay out of car he, accidents. He, he's had good with LSU defensive players that weren't, Edge rush. Well, he hasn't had good luck in edge rushers, period, because he hasn't drafted any. He's drafted Noah Spence and Anthony Nelson. Well, I, I still look, I still think Devin White can get after the passer. I do think no, they're gonna incorporate him more into and that. I love look, if you if you were on my Twitter feed last year from January to mm-hmm. the draft, mm-hmm. you knew I was out there defending Devin White. Okay. All I right. Love the pick. Um he's probably like my philosophy in the draft is first round, you take O line or D line every year. O line or D line every player, year? Yeah. When okay. you get a player like Devin White that barely, you know, I think he played the position for like, what, two years? And the coach is saying this guy's going to be the next Ray Lewis. Hmm. Yeah. You take him and you don't look back. And the Bucks won't look back. So, not a Josh Allen fan from Jacksonville. You have no, no regrets? I, I okay. Did. Look, I like Josh Allen. And I said <laughs> either one of these linebackers were going to be fun in Todd Bowles' defense. So right. If Raiders. I like Josh Allen. I would have had no problem with the Bucks taking Josh Allen at five. Yeah, I, I didn't have any problem with it either. In fact, I was saying, you know, defensive line, offensive line, especially defensive line. But I tell you right now, uh, Devin White has definitely changed my mind with his play that second half of the year. He's really shown me something. And once again, going back to the whole second year thing, being comfortable under Todd Bowles defense. Yeah. Feel like the sky's the limit for Mr. White. Anything else, yeah. Chris? Yeah. And then just, uh, what was I going on? Oh, the Vita Vey thing. Yes. Like I said, you, I, I like Derwin James and I liked Vea, but the Bucks at that time, they needed defensive line, inter- especially yep. the interior. Yep. Gerald McCoy was yep. in You had no one else. I mean, Clint McDonald had just left, I think, that year. Mm-hmm. And then you had slobby Chris Baker. <laughs> um, Tree Humper, so, Chris Baker, yeah. who was I mean, known to the biggest play he made, the biggest two plays he made in that season in 2017. Of course, on hard knocks with uh, uh, absolutely uh, doing his uh, his dance on that tree. Poor tree. I feel bad for that tree. And then, and and then, then jumping off sides against Carolina when Gerald McCoy clearly told him not to do it. Yeah, that that's where the leadership for McCoy in that locker room was. Uh, nobody was listening to him, including in week sixteen. Uh, yes, in week sixteen, Chris Baker. And then he had the Oof. and then he had the audacity to troll lightning fans. Yeah, you're in the Stanley Cup. He defiled he defiled that tree. It was just for me that was just disgusting. 
which, feel, which speaking yeah. of that, man, I I was exhausted just watching that game last night. I oh, the five, five overtime game, game. Brett. I what? couldn't imagine playing two games without you know <laughs> you're only getting 20 minutes of rest, right? You know, between intermission, and if you don't ice skate, you know, like these guys ice skate, but like me, I'm like a casual ice skater. I'll go out every once in a while and I'll skate on the ice, and like after an hour, I'm tired. I, I can't skate imagine. at all. I, I can skate. Well, I'm the the peg peg leg well, you know Lou. I'm one peg one leg Lou when I skate. I know it's Bucks report, but you know what, man? The Lightning needed that because they needed to show some kind of adversity, some kind of mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Because you know, last year they were the best team in hockey, and they came out and laid an egg against Columbus in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, but, and if I, know, Chris, if I feel were, like if you lose that game to Columbus. Yeah. The the, uh, the series might be over because it, it may be difficult to come back from that, and it, it may work the same way with Columbus. They may not be able to come back from a five-overtime loss, and I get it. Their goaltender was standing on their head, but Brett, Chris, where do you go from that? You did everything you could to win the game besides, a score, of, of course, score the goal, uh, and you still don't win. You put out your best effort versus the Lightning, you don't get it done. I mean, how do you get up for game two? You, you They may come out flat. Yep. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. If they get down two games to none, I mean, it can just easily go downhill from there. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough. You remember the Buccaneers a couple years ago playing, I think it was the Raiders, went to two overtimes? Uh, or something like that. Yeah. And and we and we lost at the very end. It was it was just horrible. And and then we had to turn around and play a Thursday night game or something like that. Or maybe that was a Thursday night game coming off of a Sunday game. It was. And, it was it was you, you were right the first time. It was Raiders. It was Jude I.J. Barima. Hey, right. could not That's stop right. on the last play, which That's gave right. second life to the Raiders, who went up and scored a touchdown, tied the game. I'm in the press box at the time. And then the very next game, they get squashed by the Atlanta yeah. Falcons. Yes. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, because, it, listen, it, it's a mental game, but at that point, coming off of five overtimes mm. skating the way Chris, especially described it. I'm not, a, you don't need to see my fat ass up on skate. <laughs> all right. But uh, that's just, that's cuts comedy on a whole new level, Peter, that, that nobody wants to be laughing at, but yeah. uh, well, you know, I'm not much better. Okay. You're physically tired. They're, they're, they're not, there's, I mean, neither team, yeah. neither team is going to be physically ready for their next game. They're yeah. just not. Yeah. No, I mean, they're playing, tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon actually i think it's a 3 p.m start 3 p.m start yeah are they playing each other again they're playing each other again at least that's something at least they're in the same boat you know sure what else chris that's it man lightning one raise one training camp you know pads start monday so so Buccaneers didn't lose. Yeah, that's it. You, you like the you like the streaming uh, service between the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers having that on August seventeenth. Are you happy about that, or do you feel like I kind of do? Uh, you may give something away. Uh, no, I, I just think it's it's not going to give anything away. It's, okay, the Bucks they're going to keep it very, um, rest- not restricted, but very sanitized. They're not going to give, okay. you know, just the angles of their camera. They're not, they're not going to give it away. They're not going to do anything like that. And, you know, it's what training camp is a, not only a team building experience, but it's experience for the fans, you know. Chris, did or you say custom. sanitized? Because it, that made me think of COVID all already. I mean, no, it, no, it, no. It, <laughs> did you say the, sanitized uh, or sta- standardized? 
it's sanitized, meaning like not, um, it's very hidden. Mm. Like they're, they're going to do things where it's not going to be, you're not going to be able to clearly see things. Okay. Um, just the camera, mm. the angles aren't going to be in a position where you can see the full formation or, um, so very vanilla. Have a lot of very, yeah. Okay. You're not going to have a lot of sounds. So you're not going to hear any play calls. Um, they're, they're going to keep it very restricted. Okay. All right. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and training camps, not only for a team building experience, but it's a fan experience. You know, you know, for guys like Ren who gets to go out there um, and get credentials usually, and then gives, you know, I look forward to Red's, Ren's diary every year, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he usually has a pretty good feel where the team's at. And he may say something that will make people mad at the time, but usually comes true. Um don't tell him I said that. Okay. We won't tell him. <laughs> He's probably watching but the show, though. He'd like that, man. Yeah, he would definitely like that. Good and stuff, Chris. And it's just good for us as fans to see what the team's doing, especially mm-hmm. without – you're not going to get the experience of preseason, so you're not going to see um, really anything until September 13th when they play the Saints. But at yep. least having a little bit of something is better than nothing. Um, so it'll be exciting. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate the call. All right, buddy? All right, guys. Have a good night. All right. Good stuff there. Open phone line 727-255-0391 at 727-255-0391. It's the Sports Web Pro Football Edition. I'm your host, Peter Blake, along with Brent Allen of PewterCast. Thanks a lot for your time tonight. Let's yeah. go out to these webheads, read some more comments, and then we're going to get you out of here because it has been a long night for you. Uh, mm-hmm. but a great show, as always. Like I said, you do push the needle, and that's why we keep on having you on the Sports Web here. I think Godwin gets 1,000 yards easily, says Jason Dahl. Mm-hmm. Uh, stats are for losers. No one cares about 1,000 yards of what's a receiver. If you win, uh, that's all that counts. I think that's what he was saying. You guys got Gronk. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to comment on that. Yeah. Stats are for losers. Okay. Have you been around this franchise for the last 15 years? <laughs> that's all we've got. Peter, that's all we've got. That's, it's stats. that's all I got to talk about is stats because he's right. About 5,000-yard passer, over 30 touchdown passer, but 30 interceptions. Well, I'll, I'll say this, though. I looked it up. I looked it up. Tom Brady, in the last 10 years of his career, 10 years of his career, has only had two seasons where he hasn't had at least 4,000 yards. Tom Brady is still a prolific passer. Yeah. Still a prolific passer, and he's also one of only, what, five quarterbacks to hit over the 5,000-yard mark in a season, along with Jameis Winston. So, I I, I never want to downplay Tom Brady as a passer, you know, to go back to that conversation. But, you know, yeah. Stat, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, uh, who was that, Jason? I get it. Yes. But don't take away all that I have right now. All right? <laughs> <laughs> take it away. It's all, all right. Let's go out to Average uh, Husband. Uh, I don't know what it's all about. Uh, he's on Twitch there. Thanks a lot for tuning into the Twitch Looks chat. like my friend Joe, wrestler uh, Joe. You guys got Gronk and Brady. Maybe Troy Brown and John Hanna will come out of retirement to join too. Uh, for that comment, here's what you get. All right. Uh, Florida's where people go when they retire. Yes, uh, there you go. Uh, Mr. Dean says Rob Dunlap. Uh, Rob Thompson, I don't know about everyone else this season. I don't care. About stats, I only care about when stats have never won us a playoff game. Playoffs, yes, I agree with you on that. Stats have definitely not been the thing that has won this team. They've uh, no. not that the Hall of Fame does. It would be nice to have more Buccaneers in there. Uh, no male enhancement, but we don't want to quickly drop a shout out to X videos. 
No, we don't want to drop that. Not at all. Uh, Hall of Fame. I think average husband's telling himself right yeah, there. I, I guess so. I don't know. He's an average husband. Maybe he's spending too much time. Yeah, maybe he's an average husband. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we know why he's an average husband. <laughs> too much time on the male enhancement and uh, exhibit. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, point taken says Jason. Uh, Jason line is more than made up for early missteps. Uh, people want to fire a GM who put this roster together. Shaking my head. Ansel culture all over again. Don't forget about John Franklin. Laugh out loud. Now. Has there ever been 3,000 yard players? Has there ever been 3,000 yard wide receivers? I don't think there has. Let me, let me pull out my stat book. Yeah. Okay. No, there hasn't. I don't think there has. Uh, McCoy, uh, let's see here. Rob Dunlap on the all Madden team. Uh, let's hope they can still sign some vets to add depth, says Rob. No money. Uh, they can find it if they need it, but there's there's not much money left at this point, guys. No. There's just not, and we do need to talk about the cap situation for next year. Not right now, but it's it's a looming conversation that needs to be had. It's definitely a looming conversation, especially with a Chris Godwin, a Shaq Barrett, possibly yep. resigning a Levante David. I mean, there's yep. definitely some main decisions, and even Donovan Smith, who everybody seems like they love on this show or hate, has no guaranteed money. So once again, mm -hmm. there's that motivation where Smith has to play up to par or you could see him going somewhere else. I would and not. Smith wants the big contracts. Yep. He, want, he wants the big contract. This was a, you've been okay and there's nobody else out there. So this is your, your prove it contract. That's all Smith is on right now. Yeah. And you know, it, look, I think Donovan had his best year last year. I really do. <laughs> um, is there going to be somebody who can replace him next year? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It depends Cough. on how he does this year with Brady barking up his ass. Yeah, no, I agree. Cough, Clay Matthews, Eric Scott says what GM doesn't have their mistakes. Absolutely. Jason says we need a quarterback to develop under Brady though. Ryan Griffin. Uh, uh, well, Ryan Griffin, uh, Blaine Gabbard. I don't think is the quarterback, although we kind of got in a little debate last night about Blaine Gabbard. How do you feel about Gabbard as the backup? People say, you know, he's a backup quarterback. If you have to win a couple games with them, you can do it. Do you feel the same way? No. Okay. No. No. <laughs> no. I no. no. It look, it, it Blaine Gabbard is here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to help Tom Brady learn the system. And if he did not get injured last year, it's entirely possible, maybe, that Ryan Griffin might not have made the, the final roster last year. Hmm. It's possible. All right. Um, so Ryan Griffin stays because of due to injury. And I think Ryan Griffin's going to stay. I, Ryan Griffin, by the way, this year, Ryan Griffin's the guy they're sticking in the bubble. They're going to keep him away from everybody in case something happens with COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's going to be, it's going to be Brady and it's going to be Blaine that are going out there. And that's, that's who you're going to get. And I hope Griffin for his own sake turns into a Blaine Gabbert you know, who, who goes with a coach and, and keeps that job as he, as he continues to go. But, you know, uh, no, I'm not confident in that spot, but you know, can Blaine Gabbert teach Brady the, the ropes of what's going on? Frankly, I don't know that Brady needs a Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. I don't get the point. I really don't like Griffin was great last year. He was fine as a backup. Let's, let's go on with that. You're telling me, you're telling me Blaine Gabbert is better at running the scout team than Ryan Griffin. Well, what they're saying is, or what Coach Arians is saying, is he's more comfortable with Blaine because he's ran this offense before. He's had more sure. starts, and 
And that's, you know, again, that's his decision, and that's where he's looking at it. Ryan Griffin really hasn't had a lot of reps in the NFL. I think only two passes last year. You have a Reed Sinette, who we've interviewed on this show, undrafted mm-hmm. out of San Diego, lots of potential. I kind of feel like I'm, I'm hoping that he'll get the opportunity to prove himself. But now with COVID and those missed reps, maybe you stick him on the practice squad and maybe he becomes your future. A lot of people, you know, they're looking uh, yeah. at Stint, Stint's a practice squad guy for sure. Mm-hmm. But he's our blue cow this year. He just, yeah. uh, you know, he's our camp arm. I, I hate to say it, but in, in a COVID world with no preseason games for him to prove what he's got, sorry, it's just Damn. the way it rolled this year. And then you have John Franklin, who seems like he mm-hmm. is kind of the wild card. Is he a That's why it's Is he a wide receiver? Could he be possibly a quarterback? It's been mentioned and all Could these. Be a cornerback as well. Yeah. Cornerback, wide receiver, quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, so yeah. to that question right there. Or That's so, why John Franklin will be on this team, by the way. Yes. Yeah, you'll find that is why he will be on this team. He yeah. is he is multifaceted, he's multi-talented, he can fill in multiple spots. You keep a guy like that when you're a limited number of roster spots. Absolutely. OL, so or some OL or DL depth. Matthews would be an excellent pickup. Uh next year, Rob Thompson says Brady has never liked developing the best quarterback. See, I think that's unfair because you look at a Jimmy Garoppolo. Did Jimmy Garoppolo develop by himself? He was talented, but if you think he didn't get something from Brady, if you think he didn't get – okay, we'll get back to that in a moment. Let's go out to Johnny Dean, the professor. Welcome to the Evolution of Sports Talk Television. I got one touchy spot on this team. That's the quarterback situation, and Brent hit on it. Okay, go for it. <laughs> I, I see Reed Finette making this team long before Ryan Jensen will ever stay around. Ryan Griffin, you mean? Not Ryan Jensen. We want Jensen to make the team. Ryan Griffin, you mean? Did I say Jensen? Yeah, you said Jensen. It's getting late. Well, it's okay, buddy. Know. It's all right. Yeah. Jensen's okay, a wing eater. But, he likes to eat but, the wings. He's a center. We, we, yeah. we got a guy named Ryan Griffin who has been in the league for 6,000 years <laughs> and, and has, has never taken a real professional snap and throw the ball. Taken two. The ball. Didn't, he take, didn't he go two for four last year for 18 yards or something yeah. like that? Did he, did he actually throw the ball? He did. Yeah, he yeah, he did. Yes. Yeah, he did. Yes, he threw the ball. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was there for it. I celebrated. It was. I was so happy for him. <laughs> we finally, we finally got in the game. We're drinking champagne, right, on the sideline? Yeah. Yeah. We finally get in the game. No, I don't think there's any faith in him. Coach Arians came out and said the last few games he would have put Blaine Gabbard in and set set uh, Winston, whether it was due to the injuries or his his given the other teams six hundred sixty three points. Who knows? But mm. point is, he didn't have enough faith in a, a six year backup to put him in there to relieve Winston. Why is he going to be on the team moving forward? You know, yeah, and, and because I'll answer that. I'll answer that, Johnny, because Reed Stennett is not going to have the ability or the reps or the live game action to prove himself in a year where there's been virtually no offseason. And you have a guy at least like uh, Ryan Griffin, who say what you will, has still been around for so long that that if push comes to shove, he is a guy that you can turn to. Nobody ever wants to turn to their backup quarterback. You don't staff your backup quarterback planning on ever playing them. There's no team that says, I need a backup quarterback in case something happens to my guy. No team does that. You go, I need a backup quarterback to run my scout team 
and to hold a clipboard for my number one guy. And if something happens, then shit. <laughs> that's, that's what all 32 coaches do. So that's that's where I sit back and I go, I, I just, I don't think you're going to have Reed Stenna. Although I like your thinking. I had that same thought until I talked to some people. And that's what my sources tell me, Peter. There you go. He's got sources in the building. I knew, I know all of that, but I just I there's a thing about Ryan Griffin, man. He's either got naked pictures of coaches or something. Oh, come on! You think he's what? got like Jeff, he, he's got the Jeff Fisher oh, thing going on, on where uh, Fisher for so many years <laughs> coached mediocre teams and stayed on, and he had naked pictures uh, of the owner or the general manager. You think that's what Ryan Griffin? What's going on? We should get well, Ryan Griffin on and ask him on, that. Peter, you know it, man. Come on. A guy is uh, he, he goes about – he's a professional. I mean, he, he, he knows the system. He's a good guy. He shows up. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not he with the guy. a professional way to make a lot of money doing absolutely nothing but coaching. <laughs> I think that now, – now, okay, okay. Now that I've said it out loud, I think about that. And you might have a point there. He might be – because we all know that Bruce Arians <laughs> loves to take his people and, and teach them how to coach. Right. Okay. Uh, is there a possibility so maybe, of that? Maybe there is that possibility. Sure. Because, you know, those who can't do, can't teach, right? And there you go. Sometimes. Sometimes but, that happens. But I, I don't see him completely discarding Senate. I don't either. No, I, I definitely don't. Because you don't go after somebody hard to go and, and sign him uh, right away as an undrafted guy at a San Diego. He's got potential. Uh, he was, he, he started it, uh, one year, uh, but he's been able to sit. You could see the potential with his arm and he's got some legs and he's definitely intelligent. And we've talked to him numerous times here. So we're kind of, we're a little bit biased to him here on Bucks report on the sports web, but I want to see the kid do good. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. Does that mean he's not going to develop eventually? And all the whole thing of, well, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't a good quarterback as a Tom Brady. Come on, man. Uh, Jacoby Brissett wasn't any good. Uh, Matt Castle wasn't any good. I mean, maybe Matt Castle's a stretch, but all those quarterbacks benefited not only from Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels in that system, but also uh, the teachings of a Tom Brady. I, I I have to disagree with everybody's thought on that. I don't pay attention to any biases. I don't I don't care if they're on the books or not. It, yeah. Like with Ryan Griffin, I don't care if he's gone. He, but I don't never saw a sense in keeping him around except for now when, when I just mentioned the coaching thing, but mm -hmm. with Senate, I, I look at his, his, the way his arm is in position, the way his feet are in position, right? The natural, his natural abilities. That's something that every scout, I guarantee if you ask Leo or Chris, they're going to tell you the same thing, that that's somebody that they can work with and, and develop because mm -hmm. guys only got one year. Right? Sure. Sure. No, absolutely. No, I agree. He's so, got one year of college well, talent like that is a coach's dream. Absolutely. What dreams right there? Uh, and I and I definitely think that 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 follows through why this uh, why a coach Arians is a quarterback whisperer and why this organization went so hard to get him. Uh, is he going to make an impact this year? I who knows? Uh, who really oh, knows? No, I don't see him making no. an impact this year. I don't see no. him being on the field. No, no way. No, that, that would be Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, you don't want uh, that. I don't want to talk about backup quarterbacks this year. Yeah. So, all right, Johnny Dean, thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate you. All right. All right. Later, bud. Uh, later. All right. Let's go ahead and get you out of here. Go ahead and promote yourself. Once again, thanks a lot for being on the sports web. Go for it. <laughs> 
My pleasure, Peter. Always glad to be here with everybody out here. Listen, <laughs> you guys come and find us at the Pewtercast across all the social medias. And you can find us at a brand new website, thepewtercast.com, which is rolling out here in the next week or so. But guys, listen, seriously, please go subscribe. All the podcasting platforms, whichever one you listen to, we're going to be there. Our YouTube channel is popping, popping right now. So you guys go over there and join us. Join join the party. We're here, part of the Bucks content party. And uh, listen, you're, you're going to love the show. You're going to love Ren. And, uh, you know, so I try not to suck. So, uh, yeah, but you guys listen, come join us. And, and by the way, social medias is at the pewter cast across all of them, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of them. We're pretty active. We'll respond to you. And, uh, yeah. All right. Thanks a lot for coming on the evolution of sports talk television and don't be a stranger and bring Ren back. All right. Well, Hey, listen, listen, the, the summer, he kind of crawled in a hole over the summer and, uh, the summer's out. So he, he's starting to crawl back up. So maybe we can get him out here. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks, Thanks a man. lot. Appreciate you got it. it. All right. Good stuff there. Let's go back out to the webheads and then we will end the night. A great night of phone calls. I mean, this is what you want. This is what you get here on Bucks Report, on the Landry Football Network, and of course on the sports web, the evolution of sports talk television. All right. Uh, let's see. Nelson showed us nothing. Uh, let's go out to Rob. Derwin James had those uh, Prism Oakleys, though. All right. Uh, Vey is awesome. Eric says, let's get Greg Rousseau with the 32nd pick in the 2021 draft. Uh, that would be the defensive end. I don't know if he's going to last until 32. I'll tell you that right now. He may be a top 10, top 15 selection with what Kuiper put out the other day of that kid. Of course, he was the defensive end. 15 and a half sacks for the Miami Hurricanes just opted out the other day from COVID. Cam Newton was awful last year. Cam is just awful. Uh, Nelson is not expected to be JPP comparing him to Nassib is more like it. Absolutely. What's up, Johnny Dean, uh, Leroy, uh, what's going on, Leroy? I don't know who you are, but thanks a lot for tuning in. Cam hasn't been good for two seasons. Uh, what's going on, Jason Dahl, Hargraves look good versus Cam. Cam hasn't been good since midway through his Super Bowl, and he gave up, uh, living that buck life says Jason Dahl. Rob Thompson, Anthony Nelson was also beaten and pointed out at the end uh, of the year for bad technique. He needs work, but he's going to get the opportunity to get that work. That's my point. Uh, Devin White has definitely shown me he is real. Eric Scott, or let's keep going O-line in the draft. Let's see how the O-line does first before the draft. Uh, fire them cannons. Here you go. Right, uh, let's see here. Douglas uh, D. Michelle. Hey, this is Cash Cab. All right, appreciate you. I don't know who you are. Ninja Bucks, laugh out loud uh, with Ben Bailey. Thanks a lot. Bucks now, please. Uh, what is Johnny Carson? Uh, okay, yes, thanks, Ben. Uh, for real, says Born Saltwater. Uh, and then we go, we got Chris here. Mike will have a bigger red zone impact than anything. Brady isn't going to throw the 50-50 ball. And let's face it, Evans doesn't get separation like Godwin does. Godwin will have 100 receptions, barring injury. Yaj says, what about John Franklin? Could we see him possibly back up? Certainly a possibility. I don't think anything can be ruled out. No way, says Jason. Uh, Ryan has little to no snaps in the last five years. Absolutely. What's going on, Taylor? Alan, how you doing? She says, Peter, thanks a lot for tuning in. Saints did. Rob Thompson, remember when Winston was hurt and Griff came in and everyone was like, holy, sh he is not ready. And Winston came back. The crowd praised God and they didn't like Winston. Chris with Teddy and now Jameis, Joshua Coalan, Griff 
Only had one year in the system, though. Not like he's entrenched in the system. Uh, Brent Allen, great last name. And Johnny Dean, uh, he has had enough time in the league. That system hardly matters. If a coach hasn't used him in all those years, he is there for something else. Knight, Peter, and Brent, absolutely. Let's get some boneless wings. Let's do that. I'm just saying it's not like he's proven himself in this system uh, that Reed couldn't take his spot. Absolutely he could. And Godwin will definitely have 100 receptions and over 1,000 yards. Thanks a lot to all you webheads tonight. You really make the show. Join the 65,000 following we have here on Facebook. Of course, live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and the Chris Landry Twitch channel. Of course, brought to you by MyCannabisCard.com. For all your medical marijuana needs, it's MyCannabisCard.com. Tell them Bucks Report and the Sports Web sent you. Thanks to Chris Landry, the former scout, a part of the Landry Football Network, and Brent Allen of the Pewtercast. Tomorrow night, we will have former Buck and Pats cornerback, Mr. Ricky Reynolds. We'll have TJ Pittenger at 930 with the big three roll-up. And then, of course, your phone calls. Do three things for me on this early Thursday morning. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake. Have a good night. Sports Web, a sports talk show for the hardcore fans. Bring your passion, bring your excitement, just don't bring any nonsense. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.